Blog Talk Radio. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. 
accomplished when I came to fucking accomplish. Now, I haven't got it yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> and so I was so happy because we got, we're, like, this week, you know, um, I, my classes and everything, we, we're at spring break, and I was like, oh, shit, it's almost one more semester. I'm almost finished with the semester. I have, like, two, a month and a few and some change, <laughs> a month and a half maybe before the semester. It's freaking over, and I'm on to my last semester in the fall. Shit, I'm excited. <laughs> Listen, I am, you know, there's so much things going on in the fall for me, okay? for In the fall, is very special. God bless me. God bless, you know, everything. God bless me to, uh, you know, to move forward, and I plan on it, hopefully. And, but um, in the fall, my 50th birthday comes. <laughs> Right, I'm, I'm not ignoring 49 though. I love the idea. I love being at the last year of the last deck, the last, the last year of the 40s, and I am looking forward with great jubilance <laughs> to my 50s. So me and my girlfriends, you know, we've been talking to each other, trying to plan. We've been on a group chat, trying to plan. You know, like, cause I, you, you know, what you, y'all know how with black folks, you got to plan ahead of time. <laughs> you got to get them almost a year. <laughs> For a, a, a plan for a birthday So we're having a girls trip for my birthday And we're trying to think You know, we're thinking all Vegas So we're trying to think of some fun things to do and everything So I'm, we're, we're planning that now So that's one of the things And then my graduation is next year, God bless So I'm just like, Lord You know, I'm I'm taking my time But I'm looking forward to it with excitement And I'm so proud of myself because this semester has been particular. It's been very good, but there's been. I feel like I've I've learned so much new stuff, but I feel like my challenging semester was last semester. But I also feel like this semester is a lot smoother because last semester prepared me for a lot of challenges that I'm in now. And so we're working on a theater project at school. We're working on a, a series of love plays and. Um, you know, I I'm doing I'm doing I'm one I'm the light I'm one of the things I'm doing is lighting direction, and I really enjoy it. I'm learning so much. You know, I try to do stuff. I mostly sometimes do things in front of the camera, but this time I've been working the the next next two semesters for me. I may do some things in front. I mean, not not camera, but on stage. But the next two semesters for me is so much more important for me to learn behind the scenes stuff. So I have directing next, you know, uh, next semester. So I'll be directing some plays and stuff like that, hopefully. And um, you know, I'm just learning the basics of all the things that goes on in the theater. Again, in my life, I knew it years ago, but now I'm learning it to, to finish up my theater degree. So I'm I've been enjoying that. And so when spring break came, I was like, yay, woohoo, because <laughs> I needed a break. So I was so excited, and I was just proud that I made it this far into the game, and I'm this I'm close. I'm inching very close to my goal. <laughs> so I'm extra excited about that, okay? Uh, what else did I uh this week? My spring break's coming. I got it coming up. <laughs> I'm so excited. I got a new trip that happens. I can't tell y'all. <laughs> but I'll tell y'all afterwards. Y'all going to be so shocked when I tell y'all. I'll tell y'all afterwards. But, listen, 
I I mean, it's just been some, i just been having, this week has been so groovy. I got to talk to an old girlfriend. Me, me and this girl, we've been friends for years. So we had a great discussion the other night, just just shooting the breeze like girls do. And so that was fun. I got to talk to both of my girlfriends, two, two of my best girlfriends I hadn't talked to in a minute. So it was, that's been great. So that's my week, you know. My week has been, you know, light <laughs> for theater and uh, uh, spring break coming, and I am excited about that, okay? So, what else? Man, I hope y'all been having a good week, okay? I hope it's been, uh, you guys have been enjoying your week also. Um, you know what? Here's what I wanted to start out talking about. The other day I was watching the Wendy show. Wendy Williams, you know, the well, the, the the now going off the air Wendy Williams show. And, by the way, we got to talk about a lot of the, there's a couple of major talk shows that have been canceled, okay? So we got to talk about that a little uh, later on into the show. But I saw Finesse, because Finesse and Kim Whitley, I think they both interviewed uh, Maxwell when he was on there. And so they were on this week. That Both of them, they've been on two days. And I'm like, oh. They're going to steal Sherry Shepard's show. (laughs) They are great. They are hilarious together. Kim's done a talk show. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember years ago, old drama. It was kind of like the black version of The View that was on years and years ago. And it was so good. And Kim Whitley was one of the women in that. So Kim kind of understands a talk show vibe. I really like, you know, here's my, this is my thing. Kim Whitley, and this is no offense to Sherry Shepard, okay? I really don't want to. I'm glad Sherry got her a job and everything. I don't want to be mean, but I will say this. Kim Whitley is everything that Sherry wants to be in terms of funny and comedic. It's just natural for Kim, right? I love Kim for Wendy. She's bold. She say what she thinks. You know, she don't get too out there, but she say just enough. She got enough edge. You know, Sherry ain't going to have that edge, but Kim got the edge. And I like Finesse to balance her. Oh, is that how you say his name, Finesse or whatever? He's great as a balancer, and he's funny, too. I like them, too. I wish they would have gave a, that to somebody like them. They, I th- And they have chemistry. Another thing I noticed, just like Leah Remini and that other young lady, I forget the other woman Leah Remini was on with, but they have they have. Uh, they have chemistry with the with the the crew. I mean, the crew was genuinely laughing. They were having such a good time. I was like, oh, oh. When I was watching the show, I said, oh, Delmore picked too fast. <laughs> you know what I think happened with Delmore and picking Sherry Shepard? Let me tell you what I think happened. I think Sherry had one good day, like right where, where people were saying, oh, she was funny and stuff like that. And this is this is quite a lot of one on one. The machine behind Sherry Shepard started putting it out there that people really, really like Sherry Shepard. And they may have had a high-rating show on one show, right? And Delmore brought into it because they were desperate and there's no Wendy. <laughs> and they fell for the hype. And they hired Sherry. Oh, Delmore, you picked too soon. Sherry Shepard, I'm telling you, it is these two. They could, could just transition into that cast and crew easily, easily, easily. I think they made a mistake. 
No offense to Sherry Shepard, but I do think they made a mistake in choosing her, okay? But we'll see in the fall. I could be completely wrong, okay? But I wasn't wrong about some things that we're going to talk about later on. Two talk shows that I told you guys were heading to the great talk show Heaven in the Sky. <laughs> and we'll talk about that, okay? Little later on, I have not caught up on any of the reality shows. I think I saw a little bit of, what was it, growing up hip-hop? Y'all, I don't know, you know. only thing I kind of be interested in is Love After Life. <laughs> and I was talking to one of my old friends from back in the day. And I was telling her, I said, you need to be, because <laughs> she got somebody she's dating, dealing with, that, that's in, you know, jail. And I said, she, you need to be on the show. I mean, for real. I'm serious. You know, and, and I think, so I'm, I'm I'm trying to get her the information for the show. I think she would be a great addition to the show. But, you know, reality TV. I said, I would never come on reality TV. But I thought that she would be a great addition. Reality TV is just. I don't know, like, I hate stuff like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. I used to love Flavor of Love for its dysfunction. <laughs> but I hate shows like The I don't even understand why people go on there to find love. Because I'm like, you know these people are going to have their, you know, they're going to have just a complete fun. Complete. I remember I saw one show where they tried to do a black bachelor guy. This was a long time ago. And it wasn't on The Bachelor. It was just like a show, a, a knockoff from The Bachelor. And, oh, my God, you talking about the worst. I mean, he the dude was sleeping with about four or five of the girls. <laughs> it was just hideous. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know. I'm reality. I would. I don't know how people do the reality TV thing, but I did audition years ago when I was young. There was a show years ago called uh, what was it? Uh, oh my God, beginning or something new or something something. I forget it was. I was probably in my early twenties, maybe twenty five or twenty six or something like that, and I auditioned for this reality show. And so we get you get to like the you go rent. I guess it was it was sort of like an American Idol. And by the way, I've auditioned for like stuff like the X Factor. I think I've told you guys that before. And I got up a little bit, but you know, then I got cut after a certain amount of time. But I auditioned for this. Uh, I forget the name of it. Start New Beginnings. I forget the name of it. It was an old old one. And one of Tony Braxton's sisters was on there years ago. I think it was Tawanda or something. It was a long. It was like years. It was, it was like I had to be in my maybe mid twenties, so I went to the audition and then you go you go to different rounds because they like you you know you go different they had you going to different tables and stuff like that. So I finally got at the table this this main table with uh, the other women around the table the group that you're liking to pick for <laughs> this show and they had a psych at the, <laughs> the table <laughs> and I knew when I saw that psych. I knew they were looking for crazy. I knew it because they were just, they were sitting in and they let us know there was a psychiatrist at the table. And uh, immediately, I, as they went around the table and people were talking, I realized I, the problems I think I have are not that deep. <laughs> I'm not going to give them good TV. And, you know, I'm just, a, I've always been, like, I talk on here about my life and I give y'all some things, but I am a I'm a I'm a I'm a Scorpion Libran, 
that means I'm a fool. So I don't really give you what you think I'm giving you. <laughs> but I, I I feel like I, I could not let people see so many certain things, right? There's just there's just an air of privacy I like. You know, even when I go, like, I'm really an introvert. I, I, the show doesn't reflect that, but I am really an introvert. Like last week at the basketball concert, I was laughing because I've said up front so much before in my life, but the truth of the matter is, I'm going to be honest with you, something I've never said before. I like the front just because I like to see people up close and everything, but the truth of the matter is I really like corners hidden and stuff like that I, I because I have this battle with my ascendant and my, <laughs> and my sun sign. My sun sign, Scorpio, says, go to a little corner. My Leo sign says, be seen. But I, I really prefer, like, I, I, I'm always uncomfortable where there's, a like, a, a, like you're, where you're right up front. <laughs> So sometimes I love to be hidden, like, you know, hidden but in, in plain sight or something like that. It's such a weird, I have such a weird thing. So I have this, I am I am at the core of me an introvert. <laughs> really, I mean, it's so funny because when I was young, my, grandpa, my grandparents said that my grandmother was like, I remember my kindergarten class being in, kindergarten and my teacher thinking I couldn't talk she's like we're so worried you know because <laughs> she doesn't speak or whatever and we're going to put her in speech class and everything and my grandma said child she can talk <laughs> my grandma said I don't know what she up here showing y'all <laughs> but she can talk and so I went to this speech class and I will I will never forget when the teacher comes my grandmother comes back to parent teacher conference or whatever She's like, she knows everybody in the class. She knows them all by name. She knows what they like and what they don't like. But what people didn't understand, yes, I did know all of that because I watch people. <laughs> I'm a people watcher. So I'm naturally, that is me since, I'm a ch- since I've been a child. I'm an introvert naturally at heart. So I really sometimes don't like things like reality TV because it would shine such a big light. Even though I would love to be, there's part of me that would love to be seen, but then there's a part of me that's like, ooh. (laughs) The core of me is like, too much light. (laughs) And you're like, well, Carlotta, why take theater? Because now I am, now that, that, I just have a talent for it. But other than that, I really am, even if I was, you know, go back into theater acting, I would probably prefer, like, not to be seen or sometimes in interviews and stuff like that. Even as this show, as I do this show, I probably, like, prefer to go away. That's kind of the thing I have about taking this show to a different space because over the years, so many people have been like, Carlotta, why don't you go to YouTube? And I've thought about it and everything. And I just always think about, ooh, like, what is that going to do? What is that going to open up for me? <laughs> so the introvert part of, parts of me, the shy part of me always is like, ooh, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go to YouTube? I kind of like being in this quiet blog talk radio space, right? Not that I'm scared about people hearing what I say, because I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I know I understand now I do understand that a bigger platform allows you people to hear you and more criticizing and stuff like that but I I'm, I'm tough you know so you know it, it you know I I get I hurt you know I'm a Scorpio I'll hurt but not long 
<laughs> so, yeah, so that's my little thing about I'm really an introvert, so these reality TV is not something I don't know if I would ever want to do. But we got often talking about reality TV because I haven't been watching the reality shows this week. But I did get the chance to watch Force, uh, Power Force. It is getting much, much better, much, much better. I cannot say enough. It's getting a lot better. It just got picked up for season two. So for those of you who are Power fans, Tommy and his crew is coming back again for a second season. And I'm sure in second season it will be even better. Uh, if you've been watching any Courtney Kemp shows, you know how she loves to build a story the first uh, a season, and then after that, it just, I mean, it takes off in first season, but it, then after about around the second season, it's going wide, crazy. So uh, it, it is, um, so that is a good, too. I haven't got to see Snowfall. I I have not got to see this week's Snowfall. I haven't got to see it yet. So um, I may talk about it next week. I like Snowfall a lot. Snowfall, I like it. I watch it. But it's just not my thing like power. <laughs> but I do I do like it, okay? Uh, I love the nostalgia of the 80s and how they rebuilt the 80s and they tell this story, uh, this sort of Ricky Ross kind of like story, right? Uh, that That was very much... A part of the 80s, so I do like that. So we may be able, um, I may be t- talking about that maybe in the future, okay? Uh, next. Man, okay, so we're going to do It's a Word. I don't really know if I have a word this week. I thought about this. Maybe it's a word, maybe it's not. But I was watching Nick Cannon shows. Yes, I was watching the Nick Cannon show, Okay. And there was this girl on there, she was rapping. It was just absolutely terrible. I'm, and, you know, I've become, I'm, I'm, the last few months I've been noticing, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I can be cynical and I can be sometimes pessimistic. But I found myself just going, what the hell is going on in the world? Why does everybody want to be in entertainment? <laughs> everybody thinks. They can fucking rap, sing, dance, <laughs> talk. I was like, yeah, some of you motherfuckers need to be doctors and lawyers and engineers <laughs> and teachers and firefighters and police officers. <laughs> Maybe some of y'all criminals. I don't know. But I keep wondering, what is the – what – what kind of world are we in where everybody, everybody literally wants to be a celebrity? It is a wild roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, everybody. I have, you know, I have friends who tell me, you know, my kids thinks they want to see, my kids thinks they want to rap. I've had so many friends that think that. I'm like, oh, my God. Not that the world needs another rapper or another singer. They don't need another non-talented one. Thinking to myself today, the world is so full of so many people. Like, I look at Hollywood, and this girl who was rapping on there, I was just like, she's terrible. And I thought to myself, there are so many people in that field that don't belong there. And there are some of the best and most talented, powerful people 
some are working at the local local grocery stores. Some are working at the local uh, at the, uh, uh, the, the 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 fast food places. Some people are working at the they they doctors and lawyers. I mean, who was the comedian? I forget the uh, Asian guy who's a comedian who was a doctor, but he is so talented and funny as an actor. So it's just, you know, and that's, I feel like that's his gift, but he started off as a doctor. There are so many people like that, man, all over the United States. And here's what I want to say to you talented people who have giftings there where you should be in that world of entertainment. We need you because the charlatans in entertainment are taking over. (laughs) We need real talent. Real people who are concerned with the artistic value of it all. (laughs) Because I feel like we're going down a deep, dark rabbit hole (laughs) with non-talented people. And TV and movies are glad to be a facilitator of the non-talented because they have more control. And so I am just hoping that people will begin to more so recognize their beautiful giftings within themselves and start to move, including myself, me too, okay, you know, including myself, that we start to move towards God's purpose and journey for our lives, wherever that may take you, okay? Listen, here's the thing. Journeys... What was I read one time? This is a book, The Alchemist, years ago. I read The Alchemist. And sometimes, excuse me, our journeys can take us to places far away, places that we never thought we would go, you know, in our lives. Your, our talents, our gifts. You know, my, my spiritual mom used to always tell me this this uh, this scripture from the Bible, and when I get discouraged, I always remember her, her, I just hear her voice always saying to me, your gifts will make room for you, Keisha. You hear me? Your gifts will make room for you. <laughs> and I want to say, it, it, and she would always add, your gifts will take you before kings and queens and stuff like that. Your gifts will make room for you. I don't know why I want to encourage somebody tonight with that. Your gifts, your talents, your skills will make room for you to go forward in whatever that journey is, okay? So I just want to encourage you guys to get in your right places. We're in a time right now, a very confusing and deceptive time. It is so deceptive. It's so much deception out here. I'm just like, it makes me, I'm a nerd riot. I'm just like, the news, everything, media, it's just so, everybody's got an agenda. It is so, it's hard to open up your third eye and be able to see clearly because there are so many people, we live in a time where people don't really want to see clearly. You know what I'm saying? And I'm about to do a little sideboard here. Hopefully I can catch my thought when I'm coming to come back around to it. But we live in a time where people don't want to see the deception around them. People don't want to see the evil around them. They're, you know, I remember in the Bible the prophets would come forward in the in the Bible. And if you ever read the Old Testament and stuff in the Bible, a lot of the prophets when they would come forth to give people the news that, hey, 
but it's not doing so well. We're not doing so well as a people or as a group or whatever. The Bible says some people, some groups would ignore prophets. They would have itching ears. They'd rather not. They'd rather hear good things instead of bad things. They they would rather hear they would get rather hear lies so they could be in deception about where they're at mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I feel like we live in such a time as this because we rob ourselves every day, you know, of of understanding where we're at. And we don't sometimes want to see it as a society. We'd rather have itchy ears. We'd rather close our eyes to it. We'd rather not see it. We'd rather believe the unbelievable. We'd rather be um, coerced into believing everything is good and not taking action in our own lives to open up our own eyes because it's a bold thing when you walk with your spiritual eyes open. It's a very bold thing. It's very. It's a very revolutionary thing. Most people won't get you. Most people won't like you sometimes. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing. There's a wonderful, I keep, I don't know why I'm so in the Bible tonight, but there's this wonderful um uh, the one one of my favorite stories is about John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist, you know, he was the precursor to Jesus, right? John the Baptist was preaching Jesus' coming, if you ever read about it in the, you know, the wilderness. And he was a prophet that, you know, the uh, the uh, the establishment was afraid of John the Baptist, okay? And John the Baptist did not dress like other people. He wore crazy clothes. He ate locusts in the wilderness. <laughs> he he lived very differently than most people. And yet the Bible calls him a prophet, right? And he was he preceded. He was the, he was the one that came, you know, to come to give the message that. The Christ is coming, right? And so, but John the Baptist was a very strange being and ended up, you know, in the end, you know, he's a tragic, you know, well, it's a tragic story from a Bible point of view, but he ends up, you know, when it, you know, when his ministry ends, he's end up, he's in, he ends up being killed by the establishment in a very tragic way. But John the Baptist understood what he was, what he was called to do. He understood his purpose and who he was. And, and although people did not understand him, and you when you read the descriptions of him in the Bible, he he, he really seems kind of weird, <laughs> right? Because he was open to the time spiritually, and sometimes he would even be confused about that time. You know what I'm saying? But he understood that something greater was at hand, or something greater was afoot. So it is very what I mean. Why I'm telling you guys that story because it is. It is a bold and brave thing to walk with your spiritual eyes open. It will not be an easy task. People won't like you. People will criticize you. People will say all kinds of things. But I say it's better to be aware of the space you're in and to have a realistic understanding and view about the world you're living in. And that, in turn, will speak to your purpose and will guide you to where you need to go. I think that we got so much confusion out here in these streets because most people are quiet to this. They don't want to hear their spiritual eye. And I have some days like that where, you know, I don't want to hear 
I don't want to see the world bad. I just want to be, I just want to be normal. <laughs> I don't want to have my spiritual eyes open. I, just, you know what? I just want to be normal out in these streets. But when you, when you, when you have, when you are a, a person who decides that you're going to be aware. You become dangerous. You become different, okay? But be aware. You know what I'm saying? I hope this makes sense to you guys for your it's a word today. I really hope you gather it, you know? Um, you got you gather it to yourself and you embrace it. That it is important to understand the times you're in, to understand your purpose and your gift, to understand what that purpose and that gift is for, and it 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 isn't always it isn't always easy to embrace the path away that is for you or that God has for you. But I'm sure that if you embrace it, you will go towards great things. Your gifts will make room for you. It will put put you before great men, great women, okay? I guess that's what I want to encourage today. I hope it made some sort of, sort of sense to you guys, okay? That's your it's a word. Be aware. Embrace your time. Open your spiritual eye. Don't be afraid to be different. It's okay. It's okay to be different, right? It's good to be different. And always your gifts will make room for you, okay? Okay. So when we get back up in here in these streets, you know, I got to go for a break. We're going to go talk about Putin up in here. The agenda in the media for Putin and against Putin. I don't really know how I feel. I feel a midway, you know. When I start seeing a lot of corporations and everybody start having agendas, it's I start to become confused about sometimes what's going on because I see a lot of deception happening. So we're going to talk about that uh, when we get back. And Joe said it's time for y'all asses to get back to work, even though gas is out here $4 and something to gap, okay? We're going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. We're talk about Pfizer coming, Pfizer CEO coming for Gerard Kushner this week. It's interesting what he said. And we're going to talk about also did Jay-Z threaten the NFL if they didn't put Snoop Dogg and them on stage that he would quit. Hmm. Now, I don't believe that shit, but that's the story they're telling out here in these streets, okay? So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back on the Carolina Chatwood Show. Meanwhile, you know what? I have this song. I, I'm a queen. Can I say this? <sighs> One of the ways to my heart, <laughs> friends, or, you know, uh, just people, period, you know, just is old school. <laughs> Soft rock. I freaking love soft. I'm corny. I'm corny. I'm corny. <laughs> People don't know how corny, okay? But this is one of my favorite, favorite songs. The background singers are just all of that. I got to find it. Hold on. Let me make sure I got it up here. Uh, I got it? Yeah. It's an old song. I think it's 80s, early 80s. Uh, Gino Vanelli. Oh, my God, I just want to stop. Every time I hear this song, 
Oh, my God. It transports me to another place in time. It's the CC Show, y'all. Here is Chino with I Just Want to Stop. I'll be back in a moment.
about Biden real quick, but I just saw this article. Where is it at? Mm, let's see. Oh, they already said it. New polls. Huh. What new polls are these? Americans changing opinions on Biden, Putin, Zelensky. Okay. Americans' perceptions of Russia and Ukraine leaders have changed significantly since the beginning of the conflict in the Ukraine two weeks ago, according to a new poll. But perceptions of their own president shifted only slightly. Um, as and, and, and the news media would love for you to shift for it all the way. Okay, it says as Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues to dominate headlines, a new Economist YouGov poll released Thursday reveals how the conflict is shaping Americans' opinions of the three leaders. The poll found that Americans hold Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in high regard, while increasingly viewing his Russian counterpart Vladimir, Vladimir Putin as weak and threatening. President Joe Biden also saw a modest bump <laughs> after months of declining approval. The share of Americans who view Zelensky favorably has doubled in a couple of weeks, with a little change to the uh, to the share who view him unfavorably. Reads a YouGov news uh, release. The poll of 1,500 adults conducted between March 5th and March the 8th found that 60% of American views Zelensky very favorable are somewhat favorable. Just 17% view him unfavorably. The positive perception of the pro-Western Ukrainian leader among Americans is up considerably since before the conflict broke out. Uh, listen, I, I mean, I, here's the thing about America. The Americans, and, I, you know, it, it's very scary to me because uh, how Americans can, you know, we sometimes as Americans don't know a lot sometimes about the political side, and sometimes we make uh, discernment and judgment over things we have no clue about. <laughs> and I think I, it's so sad because I know something, I feel in my spirit something's going to come through and it's going to jolt, jolt, uh, jolt Americans out of their their comfortability. And of you know, and uh, how they're perceiving people based on personalities and everything like that. It's just a very sad thing, you know. Even even the idea of like I, I had somebody get mad at me because I put that Donald Trump up thing up. Um, it's a friend of mine. I've been knowing him since grade school. Uh, but I put the Donald bat like Donald Donald Trump up because you know, hey, I like Donald Trump's policies better. I don't have to like you personally. I don't think politics is a personal game. I think of black Americans have made a huge mistake of thinking that people have to come to their churches, be personally, hold their babies, kiss them, and everything. One group who should know that that shouldn't be a factor of likability, that one thing that you need to show is policy and that you're going to get them across is us. <laughs> because likability has gotten us crushed so many times. So I'm not a person that has a like a politician, uh, but I also understand the long game, and I, under, I also understand what's happening in a globalist world. I don't see the world any longer as Democrats, Republicans, even though I talk about Democrats and Republicans. I don't see them as that. I don't even think they're that in America. I don't see. I mean, not the world in America because America is a part two party system. I don't see. American politics any longer has Democrats, Republicans. I now see globalists and nationalists. 
and this is a very big, You, I think people have to have this understanding moving forward because you're going to have, you're going to have neoconservatives <laughs> who are going to lean kind of sometimes with Democrats because uh, Democrats is that majority party right now who is pushing the agenda of globalism politics. And then you have this far right side pushing nationalism politics that America first. And I'm a hey, listen, I live in America, so I agree that citizens do citizens should hold special. Uh, if you're an American citizen, of course your government and people should think of you first, right? They're here to fight for you. It doesn't mean that you don't care for other people around the world, but you don't want to be. You know, I, there's a story they used to tell when I was young. Uh, the woman on the block who took care of everybody's kids but her own and her own kids went to the penitentiary. <laughs> you don't want to be that person, that group, that person in the world. And it seems like America has become that, where they take care of everybody else's space around the world, but they don't take care of their own citizen groups that we have here. So in some ways, I do, I, I, I understand that a lot of race, Issues and problems have flown off, have flown under the flag of nationalism. I understand that nationalism is an ideology, and that any ideology, including globalism, can be used for racist, white supremacist agenda. Okay. I'm drinking and talking to y'all. Y'all know how to do a messy show. So that doesn't. Hey. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> so for me, it doesn't move me. Uh, I don't look at everybody. I look at Donald Trump as a nationalist. I think that Donald, do, 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 now is he a globalist businessman? Of course. But I did look at him as his policy, policies, even though some of his policies were not helpful to African Americans, but the overall political agenda of fighting of helping America start to see itself helps black America because black America is living in America. So it, to me, if with America, when you start to um, to put the citizen first, it, even though black America has this, has a fight to become citizens, right, you know, it still uh, puts us in a better position where we're doing it from a nationalist standpoint, in my personal opinion. So, um, you know, people can, I can, and, and there can be people who argue with that. I get, but I think when you, as we, we see with open borders and other things that, that there is less of, uh, less of emphasis on, uh, making sure that the citizen is taken care of first. Sometimes we, we start to see a world of where, where people who are non-citizens become more important than citizens, so that it, it's just—it's kind of a crazy world to me, like that, you know, with uh, in that perspective of, so, uh, and I think globalism wants that. Globalism's idea is that there are no borders and no walls and stuff like that. That can be very uh, tricky. A great utopian idea, but it never ends up being utopia, now does it? There's always some great dictator who comes through and wants to run shit, right, when you try to take down the walls of the world. There's always an Alexander the Great. There's always a Napoleon. <laughs> a Nimrod? There's always one. 
who sees the world being borderless and utopian-like has their chance to rise to power. You know, listen, I'm a person who thinks you're supposed to have differences. Differences are good. I, I don't... In this world, in this in this in this world in its current state, you are here to learn and evolve. And so, when we try to paint the world in all like one color, and we all think the same, and we're all the same, and we're all robotic, and we're all, that doesn't leave room for free will and the discovery and the discovery of being humans. That human experience that God wants us to have that leads us to him, right? We don't have room for it if we're all thinking a certain way or we're all trying to be utopian-like, you know. Only time I think there could be a utopia is when Jesus comes back or something like that. There's there's no way humans can form a utopia. And I don't know if that was ever, if that was ever supposed if <clears throat> – That should be the plan because I think that with a world without challenges is a world without growth. Just my opinion, okay? But it's very interesting uh, <clears throat> this thing with Putin, how this is going. Now I saw some interesting articles this week about um, you know a lot of Christians in in America have you know have sometimes cited. With Putin over the years, okay, and a lot of people, you know, claim Donald Trump was working for Russia, which wasn't true. Because I'm to find out there's, there's been a lot of news stories the last couple of weeks about that. But I saw this interesting article about Russia's war on on Ukraine had some Christians wondering, is this the end of the world? This is from the Washington Post. It says the war in Ukraine has reignited beliefs among some conservative evangelicals that Russia could help fulfill biblical prophecies about the end of the world. These evangelicals, particularly charismatic Christians who focus on the end time theories, have long believed that Russia has a special role to play in the end times and are sharing new theories about why the invasion of Ukraine might be a part of God's plan. Earlier this month, California megachurch pastor Greg Laurie, who was part of the president of President Donald Trump's <clears throat> inner circle of pastor advisors, told his followers he saw a prophetic significance to what was happening in the Ukraine. And Christian Broadcasting Network founder Pat Robinson suggested Russian President Vladimir Putin was compelled by God to attack Ukraine. <laughs> Since then, people who engage in prophecy have been given their own biblical interpretations of to global events, particularly around Russia's role in triggering the end of the world. A rapture index that tracks what it sees has end times activity recently increased its index to 187 out of 200. The index hit 182 after September the 11, 2001. In the most recent update, it, it notes climate change, the coronavirus, and the rise of oil prices as factors of recent changes. Now, let me pause right quick. Because if you know anything about end time, uh, end time theory or, or the church's ideas of end times, you do understand <laughs> there is no that the world never really ends. <laughs> I say this to people, they go, huh? 
world in its current state ends. But if you read, that's why I always tell people, the Bible is such a good read. You should read it. <laughs> but in the end of the Bible, there is the, the it, one of the stories in Revelation, it says, the Bible says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So there's not really that's not true that every, there's no ending, there's an ending to the world. So I, there's an ending to the world and the cycle as we know it now, according to Christian lore. But it's not the world does not end. The world will become something different. Okay, but it says uh, conservative Christians have long looked at world events and pointed to biblical reference as signs of what is happening in the world could fulfill biblical prophecy. And this is this time it's no different, said Michael Brown, host of Charlotte-based Christian radio show The Line of Fire. When you have Christians who are already thinking about how we're, rel- uh, rel- we're, we're, reliving, we're living in the last days, and they see a continued moral decline of America, they see church being marginalized, it doesn't take much to tip the scales, he said. Whenever Russia gets involved, it's like, uh, here it is, the final conflict. Some evangelicals once believed that uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, the former leader of the Soviet Union, was the Antichrist. <laughs> and I don't know how they couldn't believe, I don't know how they could believe that. Uh, the, the story of the Antichrist is a very difficult story. And I don't, one I don't want to get into because some people get offended about what the Antichrist is. The, 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 I always tell people, please, well, I mean, if you ever study, one of the great things to study is uh, biblical end times, because biblical end times, you'd be shocked about some of the world events and some predictions of the Bible and how it sees it. Different biblical scholars see different things, different ways. Um, I don't know how they could have thought uh, he was the Antichrist. Listen, I don't. If you know anything about, if you read about the Antichrist in the Bible, uh, the 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 modern day Antichrist, because some people believe there's been three or four versions of the Antichrist throughout history. One of the great things about the Antichrist, what does he like to? He wants to do. He he will be a world uniter. <laughs> he won't be someone you won't like. Some people will get see him early on. Some people will know that he's full of crap. But other people, shit, they will know. <laughs> Most people will probably like him. He will probably be likable, and he'll probably be talking about utopia and world unity and all these great things, right? But the problem is, is when people don't want to agree with him. Okay, so you, so the, the, there's a very, there, the Bible is very clear about what the Antichrist must be. But I don't like to get into the stories about the anti, what the Antichrist has to be on this show because people get offended. <laughs> But it's very interesting that they thought that, okay? But it says, in part because he had a birthmark on his forehead that conjured up concerns that it could be the mark of the beast, a biblical sign for Satan in the end times, okay? The mark of the beast isn't about a mark on your head. <laughs> so you guys have to read up what that is about, too. But it says, perhaps Putin is an antichrist on our current time, said Jeff Kinley, who writes on biblical prophecy and lives in Harrison, Arkansas, in a recent interview with Christian Broadcasting Network. However, Brown thinks he... He thinks Putin is unlike Antichrist because most of the world appears hostile to Putin, while the Antichrist is described in the Bible will bring the world under his sway, okay? He will be. The Bible describes him as bringing ten kings under him. There will be few who disagree with him, okay? So um, it 
interesting story, too. I remember years ago I was in a political science class, a very liberal political science teacher, and we were talking about politics and everything and what the way the world was going. And he goes to me after class, he says, how do you know so much about, you know, the political sphere, you know, the young you are? I said, you know what, I study, I've studied a little bit the Bible in times. He was like, what? I was like, listen, man, it's telling us all about this stuff. <laughs> right? So it's like, you know, it's, um, man, because the end times is very political. It's not, you know, when we you see the, the wars in the Midwest, I mean the mid, Middle East and things like that, it's also biblical. Biblical, theocracy-like. Get very political. Man, it is interesting times that we live in. So I thought this article was interesting. Um, I don't think somebody like Vladimir Putin will be the Antichrist of the Bible, Of the, if you believe in the Antichrist. You'd be surprised. A lot of people around the world do. Even in... in um, uh, uh, one of the I forget one of the places in Israel where they built up this wall because they because the Bible says that when Jesus comes back he steps his foot onto the mouth of olives. It, it, it's, there are so many people, especially in the Middle East world and stuff like that, who believe in biblical prophecy. So and they 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 move in such a way, has that way. But I will tell you that my personal belief in reading. Uh, about the Bible says the Antichrist has to be a likable character. You know the great, the greatest uh, a, a look of the Antichrist that I have seen that someone who the Antichrist might appear like. In my personal opinion, is remember when Barack Obama? I'm not saying Barack Obama is the Antichrist. That's not what I'm saying. He is not. I don't believe that. But Barack Obama, when he was at the height of everybody was liking and people were. People were coming, crowds were coming, everybody was attaching them. That is how I believe the Antichrist will be. He will not not be likable. You will like him. <laughs> some won't, because some people will see him immediately. The Bible says so many interesting things about him, too. So that's why I would say this, if you... Vladimir Putin is not the Antichrist. If he's, if he's not, if he's likable, he's, if he's not liked right now, then you wouldn't be the Antichrist. <laughs> Donald Trump's not the Antichrist. If he's, if he's a likable, if he's unlikable, he's not it. He will deceive and sway the world, including people in the Middle East. You know where there's a great religious war, and it's so interesting what the Bible says about the Antichrist and. And, and the end times, and oh, oh my God, you guys have to read. I would tell you, but I don't want this to turn into a preaching show right now. <laughs> but I thought this article was very interesting uh, because it, it, it talks about this. This is from the Washington Post. It says, This is not the end of the world, according to Christians who say the end of the world. We get a sneak preview on a small level for how people can be moved by fear, Brown said. It's providing an insight into how we could quickly go to a situation where everyone agreed worldwide to certain standards. If you don't do this, you can't participate in real life. 
Listen, the Bible has been predicting this for years, <laughs> that there will be a time when people will be required to have a mark in their forehead and hand. Now, it sounds crazy, but I saw a thing the other day on Good Morning America where somebody's getting, a more, getting chips put in their hand. <laughs> so, listen, I, it's, it's an interesting life we live. It's an interesting world and in, in, in how the spiritual speaks to the political and uh, we're moved by these uh, by faith in so many ways. Even if you're not religious, faith very much influences the world. So um, it, it says, uh, based on Christian interpretation of Revelation, the New Testament final book, Jesus will return to earth. Believers will be raptured to heaven and leave unbelievers behind. Okay, that is not true. <laughs> There are two different versions. Let me just say this. Some people are post-tribulationists. Some people believe Christians have to go through the tribulation. Some people are not. Some people believe that there is an event that happens called the rapture. Now, they made a show about this on HBO, okay? But some people believe there's an event that will happen where Christians will disappear and they will not no longer be here, and then you will start the tribulation with a lot of Evangelicals call the tribulation period, and it is a period where the world finds out what what the world is like without the faithful. Okay, there will still be Christians left. Okay, there will still be people not Christians, not people who believe, not believers. The first batch of believers are people who believed on earth, just period. But then there will be people who don't believe. I have a funny story about when I was a kid. My grandfather, because <laughs> my grandfather was a preacher, and, and he still preaches from time to time. And <laughs> and my grandfather, uh, my, my we used to go to this church, and I had just saw uh, the movie Thief in the Night, right? I don't know if you guys remember the old movie Thief in the Night, okay? If you don't, look it up, okay? <laughs> sort of like the Hal Lindsey series. Uh, that came about that Hal Lindsey had out a few years ago about the end times. Okay, Thief in the Night was an old movie years ago. They used to show in all the church groups and stuff like that. Okay, and so Thief in the Night talks specifically about the rapture, right? So I was like five or six years old. So I'm in church. Maybe I'm not. I'm even younger than that. I'm probably about four. <laughs> and I remember standing up on the church seat and talking to my grandpa in church. And so the preacher keeps saying, "No, I may be about five about five, and so the preacher keeps saying, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. And so I got tired of him saying we're all going to die because I'm a little kid. I just saw the rapture, so I'm hitting my grandpa. <laughs> and my papa's like, Kiki, be quiet. And I'm like, I said, Papa, why he lying? And my grandpa, my grandpa said, my grandpa told me, Shh. and I'm like, Papa, we ain't going to all die. Who Jesus going to come back and rapture? Boy. My grandfather laughed so <laughs> He's like, you right, baby. But that's why it is such a, in the end times and the end time belief. I have a little kid, I got that. But has the end times and the end time belief theories, the end, they are so fascinating. And if you have never read anything about the end times or the end times belief, I will tell you, this art, I mean, the article is a good place to start, but also, you know, read up on it. Fascinating. Different people have different beliefs, but it's really 
completely fascinating about the end times and the biblical significance of the way the world is moving, okay? Um, really interesting. Uh, then it talks about this book. In, the best, in their best-selling 1995 book, Left Behind, a novel of the last of the Earth's last days, Jerry B. Jenkins and the late evangelical, evangelical pastor Tim LaHaye, that's who wrote that book, that series, cast Russia has Magog in a modern-day version of the book of Ezekiel. Left Behind opens opens focusing on Israel, but then Russia attacks Israel for new technology setting the stage for the end time. The apocalyptic obsession ebbs and flows in moments of crisis, Sutton says. We're at another moment where prophecy is invoked to make sense of current events. Daniel Hummel, a historian of religion who is working on a book about a system that emphasizes literal reading of the Bible called dispensationalism, said Christians were right in the 1840s and 1850s about Russia and using literal connections between Bible and what would happen in the future. Other Christians tended to see biblical descriptions as more symbolic or allegorical, okay? And this is in understanding the books of the Bible because the books of the Bible are very different. And a lot of Christians, <laughs> there are a lot of Christians who don't understand, like, sometimes the books of the Bible. Like, when you're reading the book of Revelations, it is it is a futuristic book, and it's also happening at present time. I mean, at that, I mean, at, at, at a past time. Well, at the time, John is telling the story of the book of, of Revelations, but he's telling about future events. In his present time, right? At that time, in his present, so and it's a very symbolic book. So a lot of Christians see the Book of Revelation as a symbolism book, okay? And they don't, even though it has a lot of symbolism, but very futuristic events. Same thing with the Book of Daniel. So you have to understand what you're reading. Very fascinating. It's interesting that the Washington Post is talking about this. But great article in the Washington Post. Russia's war on the Ukraine has some Christians wondering. Is this the end of the world? Okay, and then it also explains to you why some Christians sometimes are are not so angry with Putin about you uniting kind of the Russian uh, thing because it sometimes speaks to biblical prophecy. Okay, so a lot of people get excited when they start to see this idea of biblical prophecy being fulfilled, and even people as far back as Right after Jesus died, I thought they were seeing biblical prophecy, certain biblical prophecy being fulfilled. But really the truth is when you start to see end times ministry prophecy really fulfilled, I always tell people to look at 1948 when Israel became a state because that was a major thing. <laughs> and it was a major speaking to a biblical prophecy. So very powerful a uh, little article you guys can read, check out, Russia's war on the Ukraine has some Christians wondering, is it the end of the world? And, it, and you might can see how this, uh, how these, all these turning of events may politically and spiritually align for some people, okay? Um, what else? Here we need to talk about, what else do I say we got to talk about? Oh, Lord, I got the preaching for y'all. Okay, let's see. Um, Jesse, we don't talk about Jesse yet. Jesse, we're going to talk about Jesse. I'm going to bring Jesse up right now. What time is it? <laughs> Jesse's a great turn. Laura <laughs> mm. Rota Tate, where Jesse at? Where Jesse talking that crap? Jesse going out there. Jesse Smuller today got sentenced. Now, it ain't funny. But damn it, the scenario was funny. 
how Jesse, Jesse, I can't blame Jesse though. <laughs> Jesse, when he got suspended, first of, first of all, let me just say this: the judge went the hell off on Jesse Smollett. I mean, he called him a narcissist. He talked about how he he you know how did you think you ruined your career? You ruined how your family, you know, just like your family raised you to be a certain way and look, you done went away from everything. Now, you now Jesse has convinced himself it's almost believable. I be, I be looking at the case. I done went back to even try to read over the case and see if I missed something where Jesse might be innocent because he believes that shit. Jesse believes he's innocent out in these streets. <laughs> And I was like, is he just delusional? I don't know what's going on because I don't see how you can be innocent. But whatever he is, he's playing his role, right? So let me tell y'all what Jesse does after he gets sentenced. Y'all got to hear this, okay? This is in court. Let me see if I got it, if I can get it where y'all can hear it. Child, it was something else, honey. Let's check it out. Jesse, I don't know if y'all can hear the video. The video was low. But Jesse said he is not told the judge, I am not suicidal. Now, I can't, you know, because I don't know what's going out there in Hollywood. I don't know if y'all, you know, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> it'd be some strange shit happening in Hollywood. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I'd be like, do they, are they out here doing sacrifices? <laughs> hey, Jesse, I don't blame you for saying you're not suicidal. I mean, you, and then you done did some wild shit. I mean, you know, the police, everybody, people mad at you. So I be saying I'm not suicidal too. Jesse was yelling he was not suicidal. He said he's making sure that everybody understood he don't plan on committing no suicide. <laughs> okay. So now this was when it was funny. The defense lawyer was looking like Jesus. <laughs> okay. So let's listen to this other part here. Jesse was going out holding his fist up in the air, talking about he not suicidal, and he could have said he was guilty a long time ago. Now, I'm going to just say this, okay? 
this makes me, I, when stuff like this happen, I be like, damn, maybe shit. Is he innocent? But it's, no, I can't see. I don't understand. Jesse, it's just, when I first heard the story, it didn't sound right. I mean, and I would, you know, it was celebrities on there talking about stand with Jesse. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, they was ready to do a campaign. You know how celebrities be doing, ready to jump on the bandwagon, right? But Jesse, most people was like, most people, most especially most black people, because we just know how we roll. And so we was like black American people. We was like, hey, what was you doing out here at two in the morning? And then zero below, talking about you was going walking to get you some <laughs> And then who in the MAGA country is going to see you talking about who with MAGA hats talking about you, Jesse, from Empire? We knew right then and there. We was like, uh-uh, this don't sound right. I tried to look in my head, try to figure, like, how could they have got him? I tried to figure out in my head, like, how could somebody have set Jesse Smollett up? I, 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 I've been trying in my head to think it through, like you know, okay, because he really believed, he really, he really acting his ass off. <laughs> Tell me, I'm innocent, and I could have said I'm guilty a long time ago. I'm not suicidal, and I, I'm like, shit, you know, whoa, Jesse. Listen, let me tell you something. I really think. And, you know, I, I, when somebody is innocent and they really believe they're innocent, you know, because there's a lot of people out here who will fight when everybody thinks they're guilty. When the whole world thinks they're guilty, they will fight for their innocence, and I can respect that. But in Jesse Smollett's case, I do not think Jesse's innocent. And, Jesse, I'm sorry. I think maybe you might be going through something. You might be narcissistic. Just was saying narcissistic. I don't even know if it's really that. I think there's a lot of things going on. It's interesting. I just, <laughs> but 150 days in Cook County, damn. Damn. At least you didn't get three years, man. What's that, five, what's this, 30, 30 days, like five or six months? 150 days? Shit. That's a lust in Cook County, they say. <laughs> People say, that's shit. That's enough. <laughs> uh, it ain't, I don't want you nobody, you know, you don't want nobody to go to jail, right? You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, Jesse been laying this thing on thick, and he keep appealing it and appealing it and everything. Like some, And I'm just like, I don't know. You know, because it's something that, to me, it's something that he's made worse. Like, for instance, today, I don't blame him for getting for saying, hey, judge, I ain't suicidal. Because, you know, I know what happens to black people in prison. Or I know what this Illuminati or these celebrity Illuminati out here might try to do whatever. I don't know. You know, quietly him saying that and saying it out loud in front of everybody, I get that. But what I don't get is the defiance of yelling that you innocent. Let your your people do their work. Like you already said, you was innocent. Okay, let people let them quietly work on this case to get you out. It's like Jesse been talking so much stuff. 
he been stunting to the end, and it, it, it's almost way too much. It's like an overbid. Hot mess. It's like you know he said, "Hey, I'm gonna hold on to this thing." I'm, <laughs> I said, "I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna ride it all the way to the end." <laughs> you know, and I really, you know, it's kind of sad because I really hope for him to get out of, be able to come out of jail and be able to find some sense or some, you know what I'm saying, some sense of value or some sort of something else in his career because he is very talented. I went to see Jesse Smollett when he's at uh, Essence Fest, and Jesse was great. I mean, I saw him perform, and I was like, I was impressed. I was, seriously. I mean, you know, so I'm just saying, I mean, you know, he got talent. It's just so sad. It's just sad. They had to do all this. And I don't believe Jesse was the only one. I believe Jesse was working with some big people. I just think he can't say it. I do. I sure do. I don't think he was the only person to come up with this stupid scheme. Okay? It is what it is, though. Man, that's just so sad. It's just a damn shame. Jesse Smollett out here and he's just around. Yeah, I'm innocent. Now I'm like, damn, Jesse, you still up here. You still selling it, man. You still it, okay? So when I come back, we're going to talk about Pfizer CEO coming for Gerard Kushner. We're going to talk about Jay-Z threatening to quit, to quit the NFL. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Kim Kardashian's statements on hard works, okay? And uh, let's see, what else? We're going to talk about the real being canceled, Nick Cannon allegedly being canceled out in the street. Yeah, so much to talk about, y'all. We will be, I will be back. Oh, and this one conversation about successful women. I think that's attractive to men, okay? So we're going to talk about that. Oh, my God, it's just so much. I'm hoping I get through this. I get to get uh, through all this tonight, okay, with you guys, all right? So meanwhile, what am I on? I'm on some, uh, I don't know, what. what am I, what was I going to play? I'm kind of feeling like I'm on like a uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like a, a, a '80s kick for some reason tonight, but uh, but no, no, we're not gonna play '80s. We're gonna do uh, Tony Braxton. You're making me high. It's the CC show. I will be back in a m- moment, y'all. Okay.
It is a late night show. I know, really late. And I am taping for y'all hot topics this week. And listen, <laughs> that was Maxwell with off. <laughs> it's my favorite part. I'm in the zone. <laughs> when you start singing that in concert, I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, my friend goes, I like that song. I'm like, how does everybody like it except for me? I'm in the zone. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the CC Show. I am back in the streets. We are talking hot topics. And I was going to talk about Joe Biden talking about um, wanting people to go back to uh, work after. I don't want to talk about it. I'm frustrated with politics. I'm, I'm going to skip that story about Joe Biden wanting y'all to go back to work when it's $4 and gas is $4 a gallon down these fucking streets. He's got to be crazy, okay? <laughs> the gas is too damn high, Joe. Anyway. So, what's the next story we're going to talk about? Should we talk about Jay-Z? I think so. We'll, we'll talk about Jay-Z first. About this week, how Snoop Dogg's out here. <laughs> Talking about Jay Z told the NFL if he would, he would quit if they didn't let Dr. Dre, Eminem, and more play Super Bowl halftime show. Snoop Dogg reveals. I don't believe this shit. I do not believe Jay Z was gonna take his ass nowhere. Okay, I said what I said. This is according to XLMag.com. It says the Super Bowl uh, halftime show featuring Dre, Dogs, Snoop, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent, and Mary J. Bibles want to remember in a triumphant moment for the culture that Jay-Z, the NFL's live music entertainment strat- strategist, reportedly had to fight for. During an interview with Tito's uh, Elliot Wilson, which ran on Friday, March 4th, Snoop recounted the big moment of Ho's ultimatum to make it happen. Jay was the first one that came to the dressing room when I got off stage from the time. We had 300 entertainment CEO Kevin Lyles in there. Kevin Lyles had Jay on FaceTime trying to show him where he was at. So when he came down, and soon he, as he came in, he hugged me. We hugged each other tight. It was as if we won a championship. Like, you know, when you're genuinely happy for each other, people don't understand. Me and him are the ones. He's the one on the east, and I'm the one from the west. Snoop added, we love each other. Like, not secretly, like publicly. We love each other. It's what it is. It is what it is. So it's like for him to go to bat for us and tell the NFL, fuck that, they before my I quit. That was the most gangster shit out of everything. Yeah, you believe this story. I don't believe the story of that. I, I, I believe Snoop 
believe this Jay Z said that. <laughs> I don't believe that bullshit. Okay. Then the attire and kneeling and all this, you can wear your gangbang shit. You can't wear your gangbang shit. Jay Z hit me like, where would, where the what the fuck you want to wear? Peace to the gods. Jay Z and Rock Nation entered deal with NFL back in August 2019 to oversee the league's entertainment options, including Super Bowl halftime show. But let me just stop. The partnership was deemed controversial by some at the time because it occurred at the height of tensions between the league's former quarterback Colin Kaepernick. Uh, listen, I'll tell y'all the truth, okay? I wasn't that impressed with the halftime show. I like I'm a big Mary J fan. But I was not impressed, and there was a number of reasons. But one of the reasons I did not like the halftime show, you know, when I was a little girl, you know, and I say Negro on this show and stuff like this, this is not a politically correct show. But one of the things that when I was a little girl growing up, we knew not to act out in front of company. You know, stuff our black people, certain things that we said among each other as black Americans, we didn't say it were in front of company. <laughs> and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, people who have other groups. And stuff, because we didn't want other groups to feel comfortable in way of saying it. And that was a code in the 70s and early 80s. Then y'all new motherfuckers came along, and y'all ain't got no codes no more. And particularly, you know, while, listen, stuff like crip walking and stuff, to me that same thing is like the N-word. You know, it's cute to do a money at the barbecue and put on a little meme and stuff, but it is not cute to go out in front of a world stage to show gang violence because gang violence has hurt our community in such a major, major, major way. Even though the gangs didn't start off as violent and selling drugs, they start off as protection for the community, it has morphed into something else. And to show people up there dancing with prison uniforms and all that, I just didn't think that was the image that I wanted of black America. Adolf. FBA, traditional black America, whatever you want to call it, to go out in the atmosphere at this time. So I wasn't that great on it. And so was Jay-Z going back for it. I'm sure he didn't have to go that hard for it. I don't believe this story. I don't care. I don't believe Jay-Z was going to quit shit. Okay? Jay-Z wasn't going to quit a damn thing. You hear me? Okay? <laughs> That's just my personal opinion, all right? Uh also in the news this week, uh, Gerard Kitzbeiner, CEO, says Gerard Kushner threatened him if he wouldn't divert COVID vaccines from other countries to the U.S., okay? He says when Trump forgot to order extra vaccines, Gerard Kushner wanted to push to the front of the line, uh, front of the line. Voyage Tony Fitz talks about this in this, this thing, so I'm going to let you guys hear this uh, This. Uh, this report from Voyeur, okay? Hopefully you guys can hear it. Sometimes you guys can hear the sound. Sometimes I don't notice that you guys can't hear it. Forgive me if you can't hear it, okay? Uh, but we'll, I'll talk about it afterwards. Okay? COVID vaccine at the moment. But back in early 2020, when the vaccine was just starting to become available, that wasn't the case. And recently, Pfizer CEO Albert Borler wrote an op-ed for Forbes about a, quote, heated debate he had with then-COVID shadow task force lead and son-in-law of former 
President Trump, Jared Kushner. We'll assert that Kushner approached him about ordering additional doses of the vaccine. Additional doses the administration didn't initially ask for. Here's what Borla had to say about how the argument began. Jared was asking for a very aggressive delivery plan to the U.S. for the additional 100 million doses. He wanted it all in the second quarter of 2021. But the problem was the U.S. under the Trump administration hadn't ordered those extra 100 million doses in time, meaning he was trying to take them from other countries. Canada, Latin America, and Japan. Borla refused, saying he had already told Trump's team he wouldn't. With Borla writing in the. Now, I don't understand this story. They're trying to act like Gerard Kushner is a bad guy, on, I mean, in this story. Now, he may be bad in some other parts, but they're trying to make him act like he's a bad guy in this story. He is not a bad guy for an American-based company. You're an American-based pharmaceutical company. See, this is what I talk about, globalism versus nationalism. You see, he's talking like, oh, well, you know, he didn't order enough. No, but you're sitting over here and uh, your company's sitting over here in fucking America. And Americans support this pharmaceutical company. And you got the nerve because he forgot to order some extra vaccines during a major pandemic to tell him no. I wouldn't expect any different if the foreign, if the if the uh, vaccine was being produced in Japan and Japan's government said you need to take the fuck you will send these doses out to everybody else and not take care of Japan. I know China would say it. China would be like you ain't taking you disappear in China probably allegedly we treat if you try to take some 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 shit like do some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these people, CEOs and uh, people over here be talking reckless. I told him that wasn't going to work. No, yeah, it's going to work. I see he made that other batch up. Gerard is exactly right. It ain't, and it ain't about Trump forgetting. That, that COVID, nobody knew what the hell was going on. Nobody knew what to order. So don't try to make these, you know, they're trying to really hurt Trump for running next time, dumbasses. This was Pfizer CEO. This was dumb. You're an American-based CEO company. Of course you take care of the place where you're at first, even if that means pulling from stock from other countries, because you, your home since here in America, you don't go out to take care of the world until you take care of your family first. Then you can reach out your arms and extend it to the world. But take care of the, to the people who support you. The nerve. He's talking like this. Well, they don't give me away. We, we had batches already for China and stuff. No, you you, you are an American-based company. You take care of America, and we want to help the rest of the world. But we also want to help our people. It doesn't make sense for our people to be dying and you to be sending stuff all over the world. No. Fall it back a little bit. Okay? So I don't understand the purpose of this story. Sorry. Moving on, Kim Kardashian has got y'all pissed off this week. 
<laughs> and when I heard the video, I started laughing. I was like, the irony. <laughs> the irony and the nerve of it all. <laughs> Kim and Dennis, what do you say? Let's hear what Kim Kardashian had to say this week about some of you bitches not working hard out there. Okay, listen to this. Y'all done turn these bitches into fucking motivational speakers. Y'all is funny. This the what's what the world is coming to. <laughs> Shit. They said get up off your fucking asses and work. Work at work. The truth is the matter, I'm gonna say something that's gonna be controversial. Okay. First of all, first the fuck off camp. You worked real hard probably on that video, that porno. Okay, porno, I, I said this about the Kardashians before. I said in life, I said I'm sure they work real hard. Lots of people work real hard. It's the hookers out in the street that work real fucking hard. Shit. Blowjobs is a hard-ass fucking thing to do. <laughs> oh, God, this show. This show, help me, Lord. Okay, so Kim, working hard is the is the thing. This, this, yes, yes. What was it, Courtney? Oh, yeah. It's about bitches that should have done something else for a living. This is a, these are the motherfuckers that got all y'all thinking y'all should be celebrities. For real, they the first start of it. They the, they the start of it. Let me just say this, okay? Most of the time when people are successful in life, there, there comes a point where they stopped really. There is a stop. Like they may work hard in doing things to maintain it, but there is a certain flow that comes, Right? Kim is talking about telling people to get off their fucking ass and work hard. You know, it's funny that she would say that since she made it by being on her fucking ass. (laughs) But I I digress. (laughs) Listen. There are people out here who work hard every day. I've seen them going up in the hood. I've seen women, single mamas, everything with two and three jobs. Bitches, they was working hard. I've seen motherfuckers with working hard at different things. My grandfather worked hard at construction. Shit, my grandmother uh, worked hard at her little nursery school stuff when she wasn't doing music and all that stuff. Listen, here, 
People worked hard, Kim. But sometimes in life, you're born into shit. <laughs> and it's true. Everybody has an advantage. I've talked about this on the show. I've talked about advantages in life. Everybody has advantages, okay? Everybody. I understood that I had some advantages that other kid girls in the hood didn't have. I happened to be raised by some, my, my grandparents, and my grandparents happened to be a little bit more stable than the average single, some single mothers out in those days, in those days in the 80s, or during the, growing up during the crack epidemic and stuff like that. It was a different beat. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so I understood that there were some advantages given to me that helped me to succeed along the way. And it's the same fucking thing with the Kardashians, okay? These bitches was, bo- was born to, their daddy was a famous lawyer, okay? Come out working the fuck hard. Their mama married Bruce Jenner at the height of his career, okay? Found out what Bruce was back in the day when he was famous, okay? They, they attached themselves to some of the most famous people in the world, from Paris Hilton to the Jacksons. They were in the fucking vicinity, in the fucking place, okay? It's not about working hard sometimes. Sometimes it just happens to be you at the right place at the right fucking time, okay? Y'all done make these bitches think they something special, <laughs> That's what's going on, and they up here motivating. Yes, I mean, we toxic work environment, and I'm like, what the hell? They're gurus. They think they're gurus. <laughs> this is the way the world is turned. <laughs> we got porn stars now calling themselves and thinking they're gurus. Women who have attached themselves. Listen, listen, I will tell you right now. Tonight, if you marry, you know, you know my favorite places, Denzel. If I marry Denzel, I'm like, if me and Pauletta, Pauletta uh, broke up with Denzel, I broke up with my husband, we, and me and Denzel got together, I know there is certain advantages to being married to Denzel Washington. Shit, that's certain advantages I got right now to being married to who I'm married to. <laughs> right? There's advantages to a lot of things, ladies. We talk about how purging me up in these streets, which we're going to talk about in a little bit in a few minutes. But these helpers have been these these helpers right here have been nothing but a hypergamous bitches. <laughs> They've been hanging every day. Kanye West was a how you think Kim made Kanye? She was in the vicinity. Okay? This I married you the other night, I know that the doors are gonna open in a different way. Now I may have to, I can't probably be as rowdy as I am on the on this show and stuff like that. And people are probably trying to be right the internet clean to some of them. Some of my rowdiest shows, <laughs> but I know that Denzel comes with fucking advantage. Like remember when Lala said something? She Lala did something like that not too long, a while back. So I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm like, bitch, you was you was married to Carmelo Anthony. She said she don't like to say no to jobs or something. She, I mean, she likes to. Uh, she said she she never took a something job. I forget what it was. She said it was something. I said, yeah, I wouldn't be taking a regular job. I'd make Carmelo's ass either. <laughs> People don't want to admit their advantages, <laughs> and then they try to talk about get up off your ass. Most people, not all people, but most people work really hard. Sometimes they're just working hard at the wrong thing. 
And sometimes the world is backwards where bitches like these get famous and they're hard, they're chicks right now, right now. You know, there was a family that used to be on BET. Let me, let me, let me, let me grow this back a little bit. There was a family who looked 50,000 times, 100,000 times better than these Kardashians. They're the India, India something family. I forget. It was beautiful, a group of beautiful, it was like a beautiful family. We saw on BET. It was a group of sisters and stuff like that. I mean, they were, these girls were dragged the Kardashians under the rug. I mean, they're beautiful girls. They, they used to be on a B, it was a show on a BET. And I used to push them there. Uh, I forget their name, uh, this family's name. But they just couldn't catch on. And I'm sure they was working their ass off to try to, uh, 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 to try to be the next bit of Kardashians. But they did not have the interest into society that the Kardashians have built over the years. And that ain't through fucking hard work. That's just being in the right place in the vicinity of other famous people. And these helpers just having to get some business. I'm sure you work hard and stuff. You know, I'm sure taking pictures and shit is hard-ass motherfucking work. I ain't lying. I've been models. I've done some stuff. That shit's hard, okay? But it ain't hard as going to fucking work at 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm going to deal with motherfucking all day. Y'all, you ain't work. It ain't that people ain't working hard, Kim. It's that sometimes people don't have the it, the the doors are not opening the advantages you have had a lot of advantage bitch there's a lot of advantages to Kim Kardashian okay you've been married to Kanye West you was married to a basketball player Chris Humphreys before then you was married to a producer Damon Thomas you was dating Reggie Bush you was dating uh you I mean all kind of you know first sidebar <laughs> I've told the story on here before. Side fucking bar. Her first husband was one of my first high school, junior high school crushes. My God, I was in junior high school. I was going to, I had been going to another junior high school. My grandparents tried to send me to a different junior high school way away. I hated it. I hated it. It was where I'm in my mom's neighborhood back in the day. But my mom, was like, I don't want to go here. I want to go where all my friends. This is me. <laughs> so finally, my grandparents just said, shit, this is me bringing back down so she go to Westport. I go into Westport. Like my first day of school and all my friends are there. I'm like, all excited. I'm back to Westport and Junior. That's the school, high school, junior's high school at the time. My mom even went there. My uncle went there. And now I'm back here, okay? And so... As I'm there and all my friends are saying, I see this good-looking guy walking down the highway with these, like a coolie sweat on. I was like, oh, who is that? And it was a guy named Damon Thomas. And I was absolutely crazy about Damon Thomas from my freshman year up to my junior year. True story. Nobody knew that though. Not a lot of my friends knew. That. He was cool. I really he was cool. He was talking to some friends, these friends, but he he never knew it. It was so interesting. But my best the best girlfriend always teased me about that. His first wife was Kim Kardashian. He's a record producer now, like in Hollywood or something, like just something underdog, right? The underdog. So I went to high school, junior high school with him. So it's very interesting. So it's funny. So she has had a lot of advantages, okay? 
This, this is it's not just hard work. And it, it, and sometimes we need to be honest about our advantages. I mean, you know, the average chick could have did a porno and that would have ruined her fucking life. Seriously. No, 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 no. No, if your daddy had not been, your stepdaddy wasn't Bruce Jenner and your father hadn't worked on one of the most famous cases ever, the O.J. Simpson trial, a lot of, and your mama wasn't a fucking beast <laughs> when it comes to brokering sex deals, <laughs> allegedly, all these streets. But listen, they other women would have, they would, their careers would be ruined. Their lives would be ruined by a sex tape getting out with somebody, okay? It would destroy their lives. They'd be forever in the great porno being. You know what I'm saying? People people would be like, you know, walking past them, damn, that's a shame. <laughs> but this helps us was able to overcome it because of the position and the people she knew. She was able to sell that sex tape and make lots of money off of it. I'm sure it was hard-ass work with JJ <laughs> of a different kind. But that will put you in the stratosphere of all kinds of things. And here's the thing about it. She didn't have to really what people consider working hard every day, do that to get there. Because I will tell you this, I sometimes believe that when you work too hard, you might work yourself right out of sometimes uh, the flow and blessings. Sometimes work, it works, yes, when you get, <clears throat> I'm sure somebody like a singer like Maxwell will probably tell you, hey, I work hard at keeping my, trying to keep my voice together, trying to get my, you know, keep my things and stuff like that, you know, keeping in shape, different things like that. That at a certain point when he was trying to make it, there was some sort of flow that happened. It wasn't working extra hard, I bet. I, it's people, I think, a lot about it. Because I, I think that just that extra, because there are so many people who work hard, right? With, it doesn't happen for them. But sometimes there's a release that happens with people and people wander into things or people are just in the right place at the right time, right? And, it, and they move. That's a lot of Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians. The Kardashians happen to wander into a really a powerful space because they were around a lot of powerful people and things. Just like it's easier to be a singer, to become a singer maybe if you're in L.A. or New York versus in Kansas City or or, um, Alabama. That doesn't mean you still can't make it. It just means your proximity to things is different. Do you get what I'm saying? There, it isn't all about hard work. And a bitch who laid on her back, get where she, let me shut up. <laughs> but I heard for her trying to make you just get up off your ass and work. <laughs> I was like, that's how you, that's how you did it. On your ass. <laughs> but no, I just, I 
don't know. I feel like we'll, we, I will, we will talk more about this on a later show. I mean, I'm just, I'm not totally in the mindset really to just to, because I feel like that's a deeper conversation uh, about what we perceive uh, have hard work. Like, you know, like Beyonce works real hard with her dance routines and stuff like that. But when you really read about Beyonce's life, I see how she made it. There were certain advantages. So, listen, there's a, all of us have certain advantages that a lot of times we don't talk about. And sometimes we're just saying to people, oh, it's a, you're not working hard enough. And sometimes that can be the case. Sometimes it's some lazy motherfuckers out here. But a lot of times it's people, or it's not that they're not working hard enough. There's a lot of different, everybody's situation comes with different types of advantages. And like I say, sometimes you're married to the right person. Sometimes you're um, uh, you're in the right proximity or in the right place. You see what I'm saying? There is, is the Kardashians talking about working hard is just funny to me because a lot of their advantages, in my personal opinion, have not been born from looking at them of hard work. It's been born because they've been in the right places at the right time. Now, did they have to work hard to maintain some of it? Yes, but they have a lot of advantages now. They have workers and people versus a girl. I saw a story the other day about a YouTube girl that is on the ID channel or something. She's a famous YouTube channel person or whatever at one point. But she had to, I mean, she didn't have anything when she started. And so she had to hire three or four workers and, and stuff like that. These these helpers probably just glided right into shit, getting workers and assistants and stuff after that show, after their show took off. So whereas somebody who's working from scratch has to do a lot of shit by themselves, like they didn't glide into a talk show. Like Chloe had that. Remember, Kim, Chris had that horrible talk show, and Chloe had they glided into that shit. That wasn't they weren't a result of hard work. That was a result of who they knew. And how they knew, and how they knew them. Whereas there's some people out here grinding on podcasts and doing how to work they damn self. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it, there is just advantages to being who they are, and they working real hard. It's not that they ain't getting up off their ass. Okay, so it's just it just it's just interesting that the messenger. I think sometimes I think that people don't see their advantages and don't like to talk about them. They want you to believe the scenario of it all being extra hard. It was so hard to get here. At some point, it wasn't. I don't believe you would be successful if it was. At some point, it eases for you, and it should. Okay. So that's a whole nother other story. But uh, very interesting that she said. <laughs> people have been going off ever since, too, about this thing. It's just funny. I mean, I mean, the whole their whole thing has been knowing right people in right spaces. That's just, that's just been, to me personally, their whole brand, okay? Um, what else do you want to talk about? The real. The real. The real they saying is getting canceled after eight seasons. I can't say I didn't see it coming. It lasted a lot longer than I eventually thought it would. Okay. Yeah, I know it did. I mean, you know. 
I wasn't expecting. I mean, it lasted a good eight seasons. It was good. To, I mean, you know, it, no, it wasn't good. I mean, listen, it it kind of went after like Tamar. I felt like Tamar was more to the show than they they. And I I heard somebody saying this on Twitter that Tamar gave a lot more girth to that show than y'all give. Her credit, and the moment y'all start moving people around and stuff, I knew the show was at the at the end. You know what I'm saying? Um, the real has been painful. Been dealing. It's like the real has been on life support for a long, 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 slow time. So let's read about it here. It says the real reportedly coming to an end after eight seasons on the heels. And this is according to popculture.com. It says on the heels of Fox canceling Nick Cannon's daytime talk show, which we'll talk about in a minute. The future of the real is uncertain. Cannon's show aired for just six months. On Thursday, March 10th, executives of the production company responsible for the show announced its cancellation, noting that a low rating since the season start was reading. It's, uh, never easy to cancel a production with clear potential, but after a great deal of deliberation and examination, various options, we've made a difficult decision to end production on Nick Cannon. Um, that's where uh, Deb Moore, well, that's why I was saying the people's name wrong today. I, caught, I was calling them Deb Moore. Deb Moore, okay? Uh, uh, says the, uh, the Jasmine Print brand reported Fox decided to act Sally Ann Salvino program due to plumbing ratings in the past season. Um, I'm trying to see. It says Tamar Braxton, Adrian Bowden, Tamara Howell, Housley, and Jenny Mon Line Love made up the original round table. Braxton was fired ahead of the third season due to reported conflict. Um, There have been rumors that Baylon and Ma were next in line to leave the show. Okay. Um, sources say the crew is yet to be notified. So they ain't told the real. So we telling the real. The real, y'all can feel it. Can't y'all feel it? Can't y'all feel it? I look at this still call of I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. Y'all can feel it. <laughs> I've been feeling it for the last... Oh, season. They just let y'all die slowly. It's just, it's just gonna let them die because they ain't had no other. I don't think they had nothing else to put in the slot. They just let y'all sit y'all asses up there. It's good because y'all was getting checked. Listen, the real is it's, 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 a, it's a pastime. It's overdue. I hate for people to lose jobs. It is what it is. I'm sad for you for losing jobs. But I'm not sad about this talk show ending. It's been long and painful. And it's the end, and it's good. It's good. It's good. It's, y'all are going to do different things, okay? I wish y'all the best of luck. Hopefully, they, 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 this is really true. If it's true out in the street, uh, you know, go in peace. And I can't say y'all, I didn't tell y'all something. I warned y'all about this. Nick Cannon, go in peace. I warned Nick Cannon about this. I said Nick Cannon was not going to do it. We, we talked about this get partly. You know why partly Nick Cannon failed. Let me explain why partly him, his outside life. He just got too fucking messy. But the show was actually getting better. I'm serious. The show was actually getting better. I was actually surprised. I was like, oh, you know, it catch my interest sometimes. 
But to be honest, Nick Cannon should never had had any business on daytime TV. I feel like they blackballing black males from late night. Ever since Arsenio, I really feel Arsenio should be on late night right now. Arsenio, they, they robbed Arsenio. Listen, I knew when I first, listen, I went to the first Arsenio Hall show when Arsenio Hall came back, the very first one, okay, the very first one. And I was excited because we, you know, went out to California for it, and I was excited when I got to be a part of the audience, and I thought, you know, oh, everybody's going to be here. And it was celebrities. There was a lot of celebrities, but it was nothing like it should have been for what Arsenio Hall meant to the community in the night. I was so like, I was like, what the fuck? You know, it just shows you, you know, you know, Hollywood is such a fickle shit, even among black celebrities. I mean, I felt like it's the one person that should have been getting supported hugely when he came back to late night was Arsenio. And Arsenio, I felt like the moment I saw the first show, who the guests were and everything, I knew. I said, it's it's, it's, it's a wrap. He ain't going to make it. I knew it. Even though Arsenio started picking up, he was number one, they said, in the graphics in 18 to 48. But he was picking up, and then they promised him a second season, and then they canceled it. Listen, I really believe had he got that second season, he'd be running late night right now. And it's just sad because what, you know, what Arsenio went to start doing, he started doing comedy all around the United States, and he never spoke on why that show ended. And I really still believe they was pissed off at him still about back in the day, fair time. But I really felt that Arsenio would be really the king of late night had he been allowed to to work out the kinks. Nick Cannon wasn't going to work out the kinks on, on daytime. He was getting better. But daytime just ain't a place for Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon is a nighttime host. Daytime requires a, a sense of a, a certain type of energy. And Nick Cannon is more of a nighttime uh, person. You know, I think he would have been very successful having a nighttime show. But for some reason, they do not want a black host to compete with these other white hosts who are absolutely boring. I don't even know too many people watch late night like that no more. You know, they need a splash. And it, it's just sad to me how they did Arsenio. It's just very sad. And Nick, they they did Nick the same way. They put him on a show. They knew he wasn't going to be successful. They knew Nick. Nick, they knew your ass wasn't going to be successful. Same thing with Arsenio. They didn't give him the tools. What happened with Arsenio, they threw him out to the sharks. They didn't give him the tools to make that second round of late night that second show he had, very successful. But what Arsenio started realizing was to build, he started building it with old school, which is always smart. That's what Monique did with her show when it was doing well. And as he was rising and getting better, then they cut his ass off, right? Because I think they were scared that you would, they would have had a king of late night if he was a black American male, okay? So um, sad all the way. Nick, I knew it. You should have never took the dick. Sometimes you got to feel something. Some people say, oh, I just want to take it. I'm going to just take this show because it puts me out there. No, sometimes you got to say, you got to know, like, when it's just a losing battle. Yeah, you gotta, I know Nick probably saying he got a good experience and everything, 
but it was a losing battle. I could tell him that from the beginning. The show was not, he is not, and if they would have offered him a nighttime, yes, but a daytime show is just, mm-mm. And I feel like Nick would be do really good on nighttime. I wish they'd bring Arsenio back, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. I don't know what the Arsenio done did out of these Hollywood shoots that make y'all dislike it so much, but it is what it is. All right. Um, but, no, I'm not surprised about the real, and I show it to you, ain't surprised about me. Uh, you can knock that off of my ESP, my psych, <laughs> my psychic, uh, 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 I, uh, my psychic talk right now, okay? Uh, let's see what else did we talk about. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Chad. So this is gonna bring us into this other stuff we got to talk about. And hopefully, I got time tonight to talk about it, honey. But Kelly Clarkson's husband, ex-husband, Chad, he getting, he getting the dollars, dollars, dollars. He's gonna be walking away with quite a bit of change. Okay, quite a bit of her bag. Now, I have told y'all, I don't like when men take bags from women. I do not like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm old-fashioned like that. But uh, it says, Kelly Carson, according to Bossel.com, settles divorce, will pay ex-Brandon Blackstock over $1.3 million, plus 160000 in monthly child and spousal support, Okay. It says, uh, after almost two years of back and forth, Kelly Clarkson's divorce from, <laughs> they put, they put, wait a minute, I have to laugh. Uh, Bossel got kidneys, Caucasian tells it, but put a slash through it. <laughs> Brandon Blackstock has been finalized. According to court documents obtained by the Blast, the singer and the talk show host has been ordered to pay her ex-husband a one-time uh, payment of just over $1.3 million. Clarkson will also pay a monthly child support payment of $45,000 for their two children, River Road 7 and Remington, Alexander 5, which began on February 1st. As for the custody, the couple agreed to have a joint custody of their kids, so they will live at Clarkson's home in Los Angeles. They also agreed on both kids being vaccinated against COVID-19 since they will be traveling out of state to see their father at the formal couple's Montana ranch. Damn, he got the ranch, too where he'll be living for the time being. While Clarkson previously won ownership of both their Montana property jobs, Blackstock is going to pay the former American Idol 2000 a month in rent while he stays there until June. In addition to one payment, the American Idol winner also will have to pay her ex $115,000 in spousal support per month till January 31st, 2023. Mm-mm-mm. Though that's definitely a hefty amount, it's lower than the previous number Clarkson was ordered to pay her ex last in, in July last year, which was 150000 per month, in addition to $45,601 per month in child support. Clarkson filed for divorce from Brandon Blackstock in two, two, 2020 after, listen to this, seven years of marriage. They didn't even have a good fucking decade in, okay? In July 2021, the CEO requested to be declared legally divorced. Saying she and Blackstock both deserve the opportunity at a new life. Okay, listen, let me just say this. Why I didn't know she didn't have why she didn't have no prenup agreement, prenuptial you know, women really need need a prenuptial agreement. It's it's ridiculous, especially really because women the dynamic with famous men is very different than the dynamic with famous women. Not just famous successful women and successful men. 
you know, in my personal opinion, men are naturally providers and protectors. That's why it's so harsh for you, for you fellas, when you when a woman leaves the marriage, because in society you are deemed as a protector, as a provider. You are deemed as the man of the household, the leadership. So a lot of times when women are without that leadership, it is harder for them. Okay, so when you say I'm getting big guy spousal support, heavy is the hair that wears the crown. The same thing for you women when we take on roles of masculinity, you know, as we become successful women and more successful, we also understand that there is a price to be paid for that. And sometimes you can marry a bum. I'm not saying he a bum, but I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? But listen, uh-huh, she got to pay all that money to somebody she was only married to seven fucking years. And I remember Kelly Clarkson first was getting married, people, it was rumors and rough rumblings about this dude early on. But no, her ass wasn't really, probably wanted to listen to people when people were saying, Kelly, he ain't shit. Calm down. Put that prenup, girl. Make sure you sign a prenup. I love him. I love him. Now she got $150,000 fucking lesson to learn. Ooh, it's harsh. No, a hundred. They didn't run. They didn't brought it down. One hundred fifteen thousand dollars less than per month, plus forty five thousand dollars in child support. Ooh, jeez, brutal for a seven year marriage. You better be glad she's doing that talk show. Child, she gonna need all them talk show checks. What Mary say? Look at, look now. Them rent money, do. <laughs> I spent all my pussies I'm fucking with you. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Rent money due. <laughs> and then he got nerve enough to be trying to pay her to add insult to injury. He got nerves enough to be trying to pay somebody $2,000. I'm like, you know, I pay you $2,000 a month in rent. Until, uh, until, uh, until, uh, until I move in June. I mean, still, hell no. This range, how much this range first? Say about six. She thinks she be charging that seven thousand a month. Ridiculous, terrible. It's sad, but this is a harsh lesson for women who are successful to learn. You can't marry anybody. I'm so sorry for you. I'm sorry for women who are really, really successful. You cannot just marry anyone. Facts. And she got two beautiful children after the deal. That's all. And they cost him $45,000 a month. And he probably ain't going to have the kids all the time. That's a damn shame. <laughs> That's like Holly Berry had to pay child support and she wasn't even married to me. And see, that's what happens when you the match. A hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Hot damn. That's a lot of ass money. Kelly Carson, Kelly Carson. Lord. Which brings me to this next interesting thing that I saw this week. And people were getting mad at these guys. You know what I mean? 
I understood, you know, kind of what they meant, even though I don't agree with it all the way. But I get it. It's according to DailyMail.com. It says, male podcasters are branded weak and insecure for claiming that high-earning, successful women are less attractive and should be disqualified from dating because they're all bossy. Uh, it says, uh, the host of Harley Initiated Podcast, Tashawn Jackson and Ryan Ketchings from Atlanta, Georgia, sat down with business financial consultant Philip Carroll. In the episode, they admitted they're all turned out from hardworking women who prioritize their education and jobs. They say that women who are at the top of their careers are combative and often tell them what to do since they feel like they need to be bossed. They, the three men also said that successful women are disqualified from dating because no one wants them once they have achieved those things. Their commitments have unleashed a furious tirade tirade from listeners and viewers who branded them weak and insecure, okay? So, let me see. Do we have it up so we can hear him? Yes. Okay, let's listen to him, what he has to say. You show me. She says, I got a good job. I make very, very good money. And she says, the only thing I need now is a man. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wants who wants you? You're right. right. Like once you have achieved these things, you have unfortunately disqualified yourself. Ooh, and, and shit. And what it is is these. Cause I, it's a thing. I'm not blaming oh, the women. women are gonna hate him for that shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> they are gonna hate him for that shit. I can't wait to put this shit. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of women. But, excuse me, the sound was messed up. Who can't deal with some of this? Harsh truth. Now, I believe women should be successful. Don't get me wrong. Your gifts are your gifts. Your gifts are your talents. If you are a successful woman in business, uh, a successful woman in entrepreneurship or acting, whatever you're successful in, doctor, lawyer, whatever, engineer, whatever it is, chemist, whatever, but understand the way that males are wired. Because, see, what happens is a lot of these women – I used to see it in college all the time. I noticed the difference when black women, I mean, and black women really are taught this, okay? Because I remember every black girl in my, from my generation, Generation X, okay? Most of us, not all of us, but most black girls in my generation who grew up in urban communities and hoods and everything, remember some authority figure in their lives saying, and excuse what I'm going to say. Don't mind these Negroes. Get your, uh, get your money. Get your education. Get your this and that. You know, it was very masculine. And I'm a, I'm an alpha chick in some ways because of it. In some ways, I'm very feminine though too. I, I kind of, I'm a weird mix. <laughs> I'm very masculine for this show. I can be masculine a little bit outside the show, but I'm very feminine also. Feminine. I have some very feminine vibes too, but um. But, yeah, you, you're taught to be, you know, the man, some very masculine, masculine roles, right? And, uh, and a lot of black women, and maybe have been taught that not for the purposes of just, I mean, not all women, 
I'm not going to speak for all women, but some of the women that I know who have become successful, they thought that being successful, being having a job and good money and uh, education and all this stuff makes them a greater catch to certain types of males, only to find themselves highly disappointed. Like they find themselves, they say, hey, well, we, I'm competing with a bitch that work at McDonald's. For real, right? Because they have put so much stock in that I'm educated. I have my bachelor's. I have my, uh, you know, my master's from such and such, such and such. But bitches, that don't make you smart. I mean, it's good. It makes you disciplined and have self-discipline and self-evolution and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with that. But that isn't the only thing that sometimes successful males look for. And sometimes they look for other qualities. And so that's why the, the chicks from uh, the chick working at McDonald's who's very pretty can compete with you, or the chick who doesn't have a lot. Like you know, I see some of these chicks today. I said, shit, I did not get the memo when I was a little young girl that they like like uh, uh, Joey Travis and all them getting out here. Shit, and, and and what's her name? What's the little girl's name that's married to Michael? That's dating Michael B. Jordan. Shit, they got the memo. This is this is just vacationing and dating. I was like, damn it. If I want to know, I undervalued my cookie <laughs> in my 20s. I, would, I wouldn't have been working so hard. Shit, I would have been out here yachting. <laughs> I was working my ass off trying to do this and trying to. <laughs> but it was a wrong, it was a wrong mindset, to be honest. Because you men are wired differently from us. And so it's just, I understand what this, sometimes men think in those, and not, you know, not all men think like this, but sometimes some, a lot of men think that they're not needed. Like that you have everything. Why do they need you? I have a friend right now who's very successful and says she has a hard time finding somebody. She's an executive. She's like, I got it. I'm just going to And she probably thought that was going to be a plus to getting covered. I don't even find out that give a shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, seriously, I don't even see, I don't even see lesser women walk away with the man you want. <laughs> Cause it ain't about your job, it ain't, and, and that doesn't mean, ladies. Listen, let me say, let me tell you something. The most attractive thing on a woman, and the most attractive thing on a man, ain't nothing more fine, ain't nothing more sexy than when a man is in his gifting, he's passionate about something. Listen, let me tell you, I, I'm gonna go into that in a minute. But the same thing with women. When you find something that you love and you're passionate about, and people feel that energy coming from you, people just want to get to know you. Right? People just want to, or when you have some sort of passion in your life, there's nothing more beautiful than that. I am not against women becoming successful in their passions and in what they do and stuff like that. But don't think, you don't only go all those routes to be a CEO and be all these things because you think it makes you more valuable and more wifey material. Because there's bitches out here that don't have to do all that. <laughs> that becomes wise. 
<laughs> I mean, men can appreciate your work, hard work, but when you really talk to men, sometimes that's not what they look for. You know, that's why they can take a chick and make her up. They can take a chick who didn't have nothing and walk and, and make her something. You know, why are differently. And what I was saying about it being attractive, you know, like I was, it's, it's just attractive to hear men when they, uh, any person, not just men, women, men, everything, when they are in their city in something they connect to. Like I love listening to interviews from people when I really hear, like, who they really are. Like one of, I talked about the interview a few weeks ago from Maxwell where he did the, uh, was that Art Talks interview? And I thought, ooh, you can hear him. Here's an interview where I'm actually hearing him. And you learn, I like people who are passionate about something. They have something there that they're, they're grounded in. I was like, oh, that's why he's my favorite singer. I see why I like him so much. I like that he is, he has a, like, you can hear the, like, the, but I can already see that. You can already see if you go to certain, his pages and stuff like that. He's just, like, he's artsy and he's smart and he's just, but that's attractive, okay? So same thing women. When you have something, a gifting or something that makes you attractive, that's a different thing. But when you're just out here collecting careers and degrees and thinking that's going to make you attractive and that's going to make you a better option for men, <laughs> oh, ladies! We don't be like that out of the And I have a lot of friends who really be like, I thought I would be one of the most valuable choices, and you're like, well, why did you think that? Well, because I got my degree. You know, I got a great job. I have a house. I got this and that. Like, but you don't hear what you hear is I. You hear men are hearing sometimes themselves, I, and this is and no offense to women because for us, I think there has to be a sense of passion about us and everything to our a sense of connection and passion to the careers that we chose. We choose especially because of the way we as women are built. And I know a lot of people are going to hate what I'm saying, feminism, international women's day and all that stuff. But women are just, I feel like we're wired differently. And that that sometimes to males, sometimes when they hear all about these collecting of things, sometimes like, you know, that you've gotten it, but you haven't worked on, you've worked on getting all the outside trappings but men are not women. Ah, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You're like, what you mean by that, Carlotta? God, this is going to be a controversial show one day. I apologize now for anyone I offend and, and hear this, here's this show in one to five years. <laughs> but what I mean is men are not attracted to the same things women are. That's what, you know, a lot of women are talking about hypergamy out here today. Women are attracted to people who are builders, men who are builders. So we expect men to be attracted to women who are builders. That's not what gets men, that's not what turns, you know, when you talk to most men, that's not what they, the first thing they see about, they they 
really are turned on about women. We are looking at them as we are looking at males like there are women. And having a good job and several degrees and everything don't make you a good catch. <laughs> I mean, men are intrigued by it, but that doesn't mean you're a good catch. Some of the most nuttiest women have degrees. <laughs> Don't get mad. You know what I'm saying? Men look for a place that they can rest. Somebody that's going to encourage them. Expand them. Bring growth to their lives. Opportunities. Like make them go outside of themselves. So it's not just about you being successful. That's great. It's all good. But it's about men like women who expand their world. And I know, listen, we, just like we, I mean, men are not attracted to the same things that we are attracted to as women. Our femininity drives us to be attracted to certain things. Their masculinity drives them to be attracted to certain things. I was, it was, I think it was a story that Clint said. I don't know if it's a good example. But, I mean, that Vanity talked about with Prince one time, and she said that the reason he named her Vanity and everything, he always said because he looked at her, he thought, not only because of Vanity, her being beautiful or whatever, everything, but he also thought she was a reflection of himself. Ooh, I was like, ooh, ooh, you might have really loved her. Because when men look at you, sometimes they want to see an extension of themselves. And you are the red. You know, I don't know. You know, I, I, for those of you who believe in the in the you know the Christian lore, you know, of, of, you know, you being built from the man. So a man is looking for his other piece, his other half, his his ribs, his structure. So men are not attracted sometimes to those things that we deem as attractive. Men are not women. Now, today, a lot of men have become feminized now. That's a, that's a different meaning because they were raised by a lot of single women and a lot of single mothers. Now, I hate to say this, you know, and I don't want to be mean, and I'm not trying to be mean to people. And so the idea that of the sometimes a lot of men's uh, idea of a great partnership is based on what they what they saw through the eyes of their mother because their mother was the dominant figure in their life. But but even even when even those type of men when they get in those relationships, masculinity is still the boss. Okay, I mean meaning that masculinity will still rule them in what they need and want. Because as a man, you just need certain things, and as a woman, you just need certain things. And so I'm not surprised to hear men say, "Hey, I mean I'm I'm not that attracted to highly successful women." That doesn't, I think what they're saying, I think he said it wrong, but I think what he means is I'm not attracted to highly successful women that try to sell me their success as something I should be attracted to. Because 
that for them is a woman's thing. We are attracted to men who are successful as women. Most women are. I always talk about this. You see this all the time with football players, basketball players, because they, you know, they're flamboyant. Their lives are out there. Or you see it with if a do, you know, if a woman has this is an eligible bachelor that's a doctor or an engineer or something like that. Women like builders. Women want somebody that says you. And I know that we've been taught to be masculine and say, I don't need nobody to take me and care of me. I take care of myself. That's but re, femininity at its heart wants to be taken care of, wants to be loved and wants to, and sometimes what shows women that is men who have built something or who are builders. And so that's why so many women are attracted to highly successful men because when you see a highly successful man, it says, he got me, he got my back. Now, that's not always true sometimes. You know how some highly successful men, they can be functioning and they're successful to be a nut in their personal life. I'm talking about, but that is a thing that women find attractive, not males. You can't sell males on your success sometimes. Males are like maybe impressed by it a little bit, but that doesn't make them want to marry you because men are, are, are make you a better catch. Men are looking for other things. I hope y'all understand. I hope that makes sense what I said. Men want something different. Like he was saying, well, you, you woman said, I got everything I want. Man, I just want a successful man. He's like, he's an afterthought. Men don't want to be an afterthought. <laughs> it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? They want, they so what me I, I feel like ladies that sometimes we should listen to what men say they want. It's not the same thing that we want. They're not attracted to the same things that we are and how we're attracted to. We're attracted to builders, men are attracted men don't don't have to be attracted to women that are builders. Now, there are some men who happen to marry a woman who happens to be a builder in a great expansion of him. But most of the time, when it's really successful relationships like that, there's something else there besides the success of that woman. Like women can marry men that are successful, you know, and they can be that that can be the full package of things because women love that certain thing, you know. And you you see those things a lot, even in biblical. I mean, if you read the story of Esther. In the Bible, the story of Esther is about a woman being chosen to be queen, and how that, how she, how she goes to prepare, you know, to prepare to be married to this uh, man. But then at the same time, she's as she marries this powerful man, she learns to wield her power in a very feminine way. She's wielding him in a very feminine yet masculine kind of way. So if you ever read that story of Esther in the Bible, she does very feminine things to get his attention. You know the uh, her her the person helps her when she's trying to get the king's attention. He helps her to dress like the king likes her to dress, to smell like the king likes her to dress in that story. And then she comes before him and presents herself. She's very uh, you know demure, very feminine. But when she marries him, and then when she she she's fighting for the lives of her people, she becomes very masculine and how she asked him because she's already showed him, 
you know, the feminine side of her. So it, there's a story in the Bible when you talk about Esther and King Exorcist. I think King's Exorcist. He says to her when she went into the room, this is how much he loved the, the woman. He would just show her feminine nature, but she was a very powerful woman. So this is how much he said. When she comes into the room, he says, she was scared. She had, she did everything, you know, like he was, so she, she can't come right into the king, right, in this story. But she, in the, in, in the story of this biblical story, she does everything necessary uh, to appeal to his masculinity. She prays and she has the other girls, you know, pray, pray, but she does, she enters, she enters his, his his king, you know, his him. She enters and respects him as king. She kind of comes into the room and bows out to him. He says, "What is it that you want? I'll give you half to up to half the kingdom." He's offered her half the kingdom. His equal. He said, "You my equal. Whatever you want, up to half the kingdom." Why? Because she used her femininity in such a very powerful way to lure him in. And then she became masculine and started to say, she didn't become masculine until she, she said, what did she say? She invited, she says, let me invite you and the person who was her enemy to a dinner tonight. I want to honor you. So she's acting in her very feminine wows, right? She gets him, when she gets him at that dinner, then she lays it into him and say, let me tell you what's going on here. <laughs> right? But, he already did it because she understood what Esther understood is that he's a king and I can't come approach him like another king. I have to approach him with my femininity. Yes, I'm a powerful woman in my own right, but I need to under let him know that I think he's king and he's my king. Right. So I think sometimes successful women, not all successful women, but a lot of successful women forget those values and they think it's just about showing somebody, I'm a boss, you know, I'm a boss bitch, I'm a boss girl. I'm <laughs> Me and like, okay, shit. <laughs> that's like marrying one of us. <laughs> no offense, but that's how men sometimes, not all men, but a lot of men think, okay? So you have to learn how to you understand, ladies, Femininity is a very powerful force when you use it right. Just lose anybody. <laughs> That's why I love the story of Esther because Esther in the Bible was a very she was a very she was a seductress too, but she was also a praying person too, a very spiritual woman. Okay, so she understood the energy of what she was dealing with. And she had the king in awe of her, so he said, I'll give you anything you want, girl, up to half this kingdom. Sure, whatever you want, Esther. You're so fine. Yeah. <laughs> Esther was like, all right, all right. And then she still didn't go in on him. Even when she knew she could have anything from her, she still used her femininity to bring him in to get him right where she needed him to be to, uh, to ask her request. Well, we can learn a lot from Esther. I need to read the Esther book of Esther again too. Boy, you can learn a lot. Esther was a bad chick. <laughs> so that's why I think when I listen to these men on this podcast talk about that, that doesn't surprise me at all. 
because men sometimes remember men are attracted to attractive women. They're, they men their eye gate plays a significant role in what they're attracted to, and then it gets deeper for men. Okay, then it becomes you know they look for maternal things, they look for expansion of themselves who's going to help expand their kingdoms and stuff like that. You don't need it. Oh, Lord. Ladies, men don't like the same things we like. Okay? That's just that. Let's leave it at that. Very interesting. I think we need, and I love, I always tell y'all to go listen to Chloe. I love Chloe on High Part of Me. When she talks about this, I feel like she's one of the really balanced women out there who has a YouTube talk show that talks about uh, men and women and relationships and femininity and masculinity and all that. It's really good about women's roles and and hypergamy and all that stuff, okay? And that's what we saw with Kelly Clarkson because Kelly Clarkson, you know, what happened in that relationship? That dynamic was very strange. Now she, you know, she finds herself paying up child support. <laughs> it's almost man- masculine. So she's almost being treated like the the man, you know. So it's very interesting. It's interesting. All right. So, what are the last two stories we're gonna talk about tonight? <clears throat> Let's talk about JV about the AFC. Let's talk about um, yes. This one is one of the. This is one of the last stories I'm gonna talk about tonight. The J Hood Jennifer Hudson to get a talk show. <sighs> Not another singer with a talk show. Is she going to come out singing? Is she going to sing every show like Kelly? I miss a lot. They don't really know what to do with Jennifer Hudson, do they? I mean, really, they don't. They don't. They don't know. They don't know me. I feel like they don't know what to do with Jennifer Hudson. I really don't. I mean, she's like, you know, she's, even her, even though her last album was very good, I feel like they still just don't know where to place it. They just they, and so they they come up with all kind of things. So now they been I they like they think that the sister girl act is getting ready to transfer over into talk shows. I know what it is, you know, because Jennifer Hudson got that sister girl thing down. Girl, yeah, honey and honey, right? Yes, oh yeah, and you know, well, listen here, you know, and this is what I said, and I'm like, yes, and yes, and I'm keeping it. With, no, it's not going. No, Jennifer Hudson's daytime talk show to launch this fall on Fox TV station, according to Yahoo Entertainment. So now I got to deal with her and Sherry. Help us, Lord. Jennifer Hudson is coming to daytime this fall with the launch of the Jennifer Hudson show on Fox television station. But the new one-hour talker is not technically Warner Brothers TV's replacement for the Ellen DeGeneres show, which is coming to an end this year. Hudson's show is positioned to be the studio's new flagship daytime talk show once DeGeneres has said her final goodbye after a 19-season run, okay? Has a... Uh, as it was first reported in November, the Jennifer Hudson show also comes from Ellen Production Company, Telepictures. Ellen executive producers Andy Lassner and Mary Conley started the showrunners on Hudson's test show, which was shot last fall on the generous stage. The show has been shot around the station groups since with Fox TV stations emerging as the winner. In addition to being carried by, by our Fox TV stations, Hudson's show will also 
launch on Hearst, um, Hearst Television, along with additional station groups representing more than 60% of the country. I have experienced so much in my life. I've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and just about everything in between. But as my mother always told me, once you think you've seen it all, just keep on living, Hudson said in a statement. People from around the world have been a part of my journey from the beginning 20 years ago, and I'm so ready to join their journey as we sit down and talk about the things that inspire me. With our feet down and open. Oprah, 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 with the sister girl touch, and it's going to be just like Sherry. Yes, yes, and, and you know, I just meant, well, yes, honey, yes, and all that. I can see, I already know where it's going. I know where this Jennifer Hudson show is going. And she's going to have great guests because she's Jennifer Hudson. But I already see it's going to switch the girl me out. Today, y'all, we got Beyonce, honey, on there coming on the show. Yes, Beyonce. Yes, my friend, my friend, the female. I, I already know where we're going. I already know. I already know. I already know. Two years max. And I don't think it's going to even last two, but I'm going to go two. Especially if y'all sister girl Y'all don't know what to do with Jennifer. My advice to Jennifer Hudson will be my advice. Keep singing. If you love recording, keep recording. Don't let them run you out the music business. Look at look at look at artists like Maxwell and Sharday. Uh, you know, they don't always have big commercial hits and stuff like that. I mean, they have a good hit. They, they mostly have nice hit albums. But, I mean, I don't think they care. They have a purpose for recording. And I think they want, they found something deeper than just uh, recording for being a recording artist. They just make a bunch of, a bunch of pop songs or be a big star. I think they, and I think that's the reason why Jennifer Hudson really hasn't made it because in my personal opinion, what's going on with Jennifer Hudson, even though I love the last album, I love that album with Jerry, I mean, with Art Kelly when he did that It's Your World and that uh, uh, that other song on there, I Can't Describe. She has really some good songs, but here's the problem with Jennifer Hudson and why Jennifer Hudson is not catching on. I'm going to tell the truth. Now, I used to say Jennifer was a lady singer. She's gotten a little bit better with that, meaning that she's got such a big, beautiful voice that she can get away with a lot, and she can also get away with not developing a personality, like like developing, letting her musical personality shine. She's got a personality that's always shown up. It used to show up even on um, uh, uh, when she was on American Idol, but her voice doesn't have a distinctive personality. What I mean by that is that she can't find her sense of artistry. She's very, um, and she's ambiguous as a singer. There's no, like, there's nothing to, I don't know who she is. And that is, she hasn't defined herself. Like I say, Charday has defined herself. Ashley has defined himself. Uh, Janet Jackson has defined herself. Beyonce's even defined herself. Jennifer Hudson has the Jennifer Holiday problem. And that is, who are you as an artist? 
I just about having a big, pretty voice. Who the fuck are you? Nobody knows. So that's why people don't really get attracted to her music. So they try to sell her in acting. I think she's a good actress. I think she could be even better. She just needs to study more. And if she's going to go that route, I think that would help her develop the personality that she needs for talk show. But I actually think Jennifer Hudson is going to be generic on talk show. I see the same generic Miss coming through. The sister girl act. Yes, honey, what are we cooking today? Oh, yes, y'all. We can ready to have some. Honey, I eat... I eat my turkey bacon, my bacon turkey, and my this and that. I can see it. I can just see where we're going to go with it. We're going to try to sister girl vegan food. We're going to try sister girl white weight watchers. I see sister girl meets Oprah. I know where we're we going here with Jennifer Hudson. And we still, at the end of the day, will not know who Jennifer Hudson is. You know, artists like Fantasia. Now you Fantasia for example. Just that's how much time I got. We don't end it with this this part right here. What time? How much? What time? Where am I at? The time. We got enough time to talk about this, so we're gonna have to save it. Let me see, y'all. Um. Artists like Fantasia, and what I'll say about that is that um, Fantasia doesn't have the only the thing that to me that makes Fantasia the reason Fantasia's success isn't probably through the roof. Fantasia may have some issues of discipline in the business or something like that. I'm not saying that's what it is, but it could be. It could be, you know, I remember they was mad at her about the Western College on the show, but, you know, it could be a lot of things there. But there's a, I mean, but Fantasia, as far as a singer, even though she's had, she's found a hard time finding it, like staying in it. She still is very distinguishable when she comes on the stage. You know, it's very distinctive. It's not vanilla so much. She's very interesting as an artist. She's an interesting person. I think that one of the issues with Jennifer Hudson she has an interesting life background, and we know her story. She's had some very sad things that have happened, some very things and stuff that have happened in her life, but you still don't know her. Talk show game requires a personality that people think they know. Oprah brilliant at it. It's so hard to even ever be. It's so hard to be what Oprah went for you so magically well. But she made people tune into her every day and believe they knew her. Wendy used to Wendy did the same thing too, but in a different way. Oprah though had that shit on lock. Like that personality. I'm gonna show you my favorite books and shit like that. It's very few people that come along in a lifetime that got it like that. 
All the rest of y'all is trying to imitate Oprah. And that's why they fucking selling. And I see we getting ready to do that with Jennifer Hudson. Now, Jennifer Hudson, I don't want to talk to y'all no job. I want everybody to have jobs. I want everybody to be working out here. Okay? I don't want to, I don't want to talk up. Nobody has no job. Talk show thing, I just feel like it's just another thing they're trying to throw her in and see if she works. And when it's really about sitting down and developing and figuring out where you want to be as an artist, it's not just saying, you know, definitely try, you know, if you've got an acting skill, definitely try acting if you got singing skills, whatever. But it's also when you find that thing, getting in it, and developing your person around it, developing who you are around it so it can translate to us, the fans, and us, the listeners, and the admirers of what you do. But partly, Jennifer Hudson ain't translating in music, and she, she, she transfers in acting, but not a lot. Because we need her to develop her artistry more. And throwing her in a talk show... Ain't going to do that shit. Now, that's all I got to say on that note. <laughs> God damn. But I wish you luck, Jennifer Hudson. Shit, what time is this? We at the end of this. It's 3 damn 25 at night. Shit. Hey. <laughs> I done finished recording this show for y'all. I hope y'all enjoy it. Really, I really do. Thank you so much for listening to me like you do. Uh, what y'all do, whenever y'all do. I appreciate y'all so much. Listen, y'all don't know how much I appreciate y'all. Every time, some days I be thinking, I ain't going to do this. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop doing my, having my therapy and ranting and raving. And y'all always remind me that, no, please don't stop. I'll be listening. I'll listen or something like that. So I appreciate you so much. I'm glad you guys listened to my little show. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful week. I have more time next week because it's my spring break, so I may be doing more shows. (laughs) And at the end of the month, I got something special for (laughs) y'all. I'll tell y'all later, though. I can't tell y'all now. I'll tell y'all, look, it's not big. It's not big special. (laughs) But something fun that I'm going to do, and I'll tell y'all about, okay? So, you guys. Have a wonderful, 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 wonderful weekend. I may try to come on and do a second show. I don't know. But, hey, I hope y'all have a good one, okay? Meanwhile, I'm going to leave out with, you know, one of them 80s joints, one of them 80s songs I love, Captain of Her Heart, okay? I know. Yeah, whatever. Call me corny. You need to be some grooves up in here, okay? I'm out. See y'all. It's the CC Show, y'all. Have a good one, okay?
the sound of my voice. You are listening to the archive show. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Hey, remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page if you have some suggestions or you have something you want me to talk about or you have an article or whatever. Feel free to hit me up there, Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, or you can go to Carly's underscore galaxy, Carly's underscore galaxy on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm under C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72, okay? So, you guys, make sure you hit me up that way, okay? Uh, Thank you guys so much again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. A captain of her heart. Well, who used to sing that song? Was that Double? I forget their names. <laughs> I think I'm going to make that my insomnia group tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. I love crazy songs like that. Man, that used to be my jam, Captain of Her Heart. Captain of Her Heart. Jam, okay? You guys, I'm out. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. I am leaving with, who's going to leave with? Uh, oh, my God. I have it up. Thank you. Let's do Javier. Crazy, Okay. It's the CC Show. I'm out. See y'all. Have a good one. Bye. Brother to his knees just for fun. I think it was the first of May. Girl, I can't forget the day. Right then and there, I knew you were the one. Do you think that possibly?